welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Hey, you got into the, the announcer voice right there. You even had the slide. And Daniel, well done. All right, you're getting into the spirit. I knew I knew I'd rub off on you eventually, and thank no. you for doing that. No. Even uh, now that I've brought it up, you're never doing it again. No. But you know, it is what it is. It was worth it. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it absolutely was. Uh, Daniel, it's been a while since we've done one of these compare and contrast. Yeah, it time. has. It's been quite a bit. I, I don't remember what the last one was. Uh, the last one was, ooh. I don't know. I'll have to look it, it's it up. It's been uh, at least a few months now. I think. Yeah, it's it's been a couple months. Yeah, so we're overdue for this. And we try to keep it once every like month or two. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to keep it on. Every on, few on. episodes, just to give us something different instead of like our top eight of this or right. exactly. uh, our discussion topics, stuff like that. Not that we're running out of ideas or anything. <laughs> if you have any ideas, you know, feel free to let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm. regardless of that, no, we, we think that this is a fun little topic and we... As soon as you told me this idea, we were thinking like, oh, well, you know, what games are compared a lot yeah, you yeah. Know, here and there? And you're like, wait a minute. What about this two? And I was like, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what are we even waiting for? That's the one. Exactly. Like, as soon as you said it, that was the one that we were going to do. And so uh, the astute viewers who are here live with us um, have already seen, obviously, in our topic discussion. Yeah. But anybody else who's watching us live or on video, you'll see the two games up yonder. <laughs> and that is because we are going to be comparing Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dune Imperium. Yep. And uh, that Dune Imperium is the special minis box and the expansion's in there too. Yeah. And you can't tell about the expansion's in Lost Ruins, right? Yeah. A lot of expansion's yeah. in there as well. So we'll... It's all right. We'll be touching base on our... On, on stuff like that, yeah. I... Uh, I won't be touching base on the expansions for Dune Imperium just because I don't know them. Oh, uh, actually, I don't. I haven't played Dune Imperium, but we will talk about like how it it doesn't add too much to it. Right. I just it's something different. And of course, if anybody joins us later on or in the chat, uh, tell us your thoughts on either of them, and we can include that in the discussion as well. But before we do that, let's talk about some of the games we've been playing lately. Daniel, what have you been playing? All right. So the what I've been playing lately. Let's start with the one that's furthest away, and it's interesting because this one was played right before we did our last Chits, Chits and Giggles topic, mm -hmm. but we, we didn't put a game that we had just played that day on yeah, our list. Not yeah, I let it stew a little bit, let us uh, think about what, how we liked it and stuff like that, but it's also one of our favorite designers. That's right. Stefan Feld. We finally both got Aquasphere off our shelves of shame. Yep. And oh man, it feels good to get one of those double shelter. <laughs> yeah, I what I have to say about this game is yeah, I can see why I really, really enjoy stuff on Feld games. I love the moving your robots around, paying the resource to go through certain areas, the little moving mechanism. This way, you can train robots in certain aspects and then use your robots to you know have like a little area control part of it. This is point salad through and through. Absolutely, I can understand why some people don't like this one. Yeah. Because there's a lot... I know there's a lot of his games that have a lot of moving parts, but this one... <laughs> this one's not that bad. Like, no. So, here... I'm going to add on to that, because, yeah, I, mean, I was there when we played it, because <laughs> yeah. you and I played it. Yeah. And um, he, here's the thing. It, it took us almost longer to learn the rules and how to play it and set up than it did to play. <laughs> it really players. did. Now, with with Aquasphere, obviously it's like this underwater... You know, do yeah. You the, the theme, it doesn't matter. But... Yeah. The argument I've heard a lot of people say about Aquasphere that they didn't like was that programmed movement, where you move from one spot of the board and you only have like two options, and that's the action 
like thing that you could program to use later mm-hmm. on. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I think that that mechanism worked really well. What I liked about it, and we're gonna, I'm gonna briefly compare it to. We played a stuff on Felt today. Yeah. Um, Bora Bora, a game today uh, called Bora Bora, and I wanted to compare them just briefly because we're not gonna talk about Bora Bora today. Mm-hmm. We normally like to wait at least a day, but that one. As we were playing it, one thing that I did notice is that, you know, a lot of our moves, like, it really brought out the AP because it really yeah, gave yeah, a yeah. lot of options. Like, even just determining what number to put out, much less the action, much less what you can do for that action. You know, there's a lot yeah. to consider. Where one thing I liked about Aquasphere is how quick it went. Yeah, when you and me things. were going, we are like, all right, well, I'm programming that because I want to go here, then I want to do this, then I want to do that. Yeah, the and thing about Aquasphere... Yeah, the thing about Aquasphere compared to Bora Bora is that no matter what you did, you're still going to get a lot of points. Bora yeah. Bora, you're trying to math things out. Where Aquasphere is like, okay, I can do this. This is going to give me this. Yeah. If I can do this, this is going to give me these points. It's the same difference, half dozen to yeah. whatever. So, yeah, this one, I think for Bora, playing Bora Bora, Aquasphere is still higher for me than yeah. Bora Bora. Now, I, I don't mind I, Bora Bora. I think I agree with you on that. Just by the initial impression, mm-hmm. I really, that first game I played of Aquasphere, I really liked it. First game of Bora Bora, I enjoyed it, but it's not, I don't know. If it's it's very top. heady. It's, uh, I would say Bora Bora is lighter than, uh, not Targi, um, Trajan, Trajan yeah, but oh, it's just as heady, you know what I mean? Because there's so yeah. many things that you have to go through and think about. I can go here and do this action, or I can right. go here and do this action. Where is it going to be me the be- give me the best points? Whereas in Aquasphere, you're just like, okay, this turn is going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And you have your pl- moves planned out because you don't really have to worry about what someone else is doing. They're right. not really going to block you too much unless they clear the octopus in the area you wanted to go to yeah. first. But then you can pivot very easily and be like, okay, mm-hmm. since he did that, I'll just go to this section here. It's in the same area, so I could still put my control over there because I have enough of my robots in this right. area. Or, or that are trained that I can do this instead and go pick up this stuff. And then I can use this special ability to do this thing to train a new one just for what I need to. But yeah, no. So my number four is Aquasphere. Cool. No, oh, good pick. There was only one thing that I didn't like about Aquasphere, and it was about the production. And it's a tiny, tiny little thing. Is that you can have up to two of your robots programmed at a time. Mm-hmm. Nowhere did it say that limit. No. Anywhere. And it was really good about about saying the everything everything else and the 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 reason why we knew that is because of rodney smith uh, yes. because of watch it played is like okay yep. that makes sense yep yep that was the only reason we knew and yeah we just made a point to remember it but we yeah. had no other reference to yeah because we were wondering like how were you supposed to because you're supposed to get your robots out because as many robots mm-hmm. that go out it's points How's yep. that going to be happen? Oh, that's because they stay locked up in this area until they have to be bounced back yeah exactly so, uh, speaking of heavy Euro games, let's talk about a heavy Euro game that I brought to the group um, uh, that we all yeah, played. Yep, yep, yep. And I wouldn't say it's heavy. It's not heavy at all. The rules and the teach, first time play for, yeah, yeah, for all four of us, the board is massive. Yes. Uh, if it, it's the one I think it is. It's your pick from, like, mm-hmm. last week, right? Yep. Yeah. It's uh, Francis Drake. The, definitely the biggest box I had on my shelf of shame, with a couple yeah. of exceptions. That I'm glad we finally got it to the table because I was at first really kind of nervous about it, but then when I saw what it does, mm-hmm. it's a straight up Euro game. Even yeah. though it's you know we're pirates and fighting and stuff, really. Oh no, we're privateers. Resources. Privateers, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what we are, <laughs> we're just trading resources and tokens for things for points in different yeah. ways. And 
But as a basic idea as that is, you know, it's, it's essentially worker placement and then bidding, right? And it's not but even like worker resource management. It's worker placement to a sense, but it's also like a worker placement yeah. like Takedo, as far as you can go. Right. Exactly. So there's that. There's the first half of each round, then there's the second half. The yeah. first half. You're, fu- you're doing Tokaido style yeah. where you're moving and you can only go as far as you've ever been. Mm-hmm. And so you have, but then you also only have 10 discs. So you're not going to be able to visit everything. Yeah. And so you're, you're moving along shortly. Um, you're hops, you're, you know, leapfrogging over everybody. Um, and you're going along this nice boardwalk, you know, of different things that are randomized. That every randomizes round. every single time. Yeah. Now, the only problem that I had with it is that it, it goes like to the left at first and then up to the right yeah, on the top kind of the board. Snakes. And but then of course the better space is on the tile. Um all the better spots are on the left side of it. Yeah. So on that top part you're like, yeah, yeah you yeah. just have to remember you yeah, can't, the, yeah the first spot on you can the only tile. Ever go to one tile once. And yeah. then that made more sense. But um yeah, oh my goodness. That part was really simple. I like that a lot. The fun, effective, like giving you that meaty choice of like, oh man, do I jump uh do I jump ahead? Do I, you know, do I really focus in on getting this thing? Do I get one of the character abilities, like the queen? Do I get something else? You know, because each of those, like the governor, the queen, they all give you huge advantages. And it's whoever got to it first. Yeah. Um, like that extra ship that kept like showing up right at the beginning. Beginning of the game, it's yeah. It's like, oh, well. And so whoever, like, whoever was first, first player, <laughs> yeah, you know? I'll take that. Yep. We want that extra ship. Why not? You know, take an extra action. Yeah. And then after that. Then everyone goes on like worker placement style, like. But you can only go as far as your supplies will take you. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah. also how many ships you have. So like some people can have extra ships where. Well, you're only going to have the one ship, right? Well, well, I mean the the, the numbers, right. right? Because it determines. Exactly. So if three people go to the same spot or four people go to the same spot, well, whoever so has the highest number. numbers, they might not get be able to get into that section because only three out of four right. can go there. Exactly. But then it also limits like it makes one part of the board really tight because yeah. your supplies don't give you any points whatsoever. It just allows you to go, go further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if there's one person, then, Hey, that's great. You know, you're just putting pieces down. No but problem. that also can lead to the fact because like someone who's the governor or the, right. the or what is it? The, it's the governor and the, the something else. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, where handle the, they can leave like the, the ships or the, yep. the fighters the out into different board. areas. So it's like, okay, I can only go to these two sections I'll put this one way over here. Right. I know you guys are going over there, so not a bother to me. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite part was when, when they were putting out the tokens, because there's two different kinds. You either yeah. put out more warrior tokens or more, uh, like, you need more cannons for like, yeah. the ships. And every single round that we played, there was always somebody in that role, because you get bonuses as well for different things that were guarded. Yeah, that turn because you're in good. If you're like the governor, you get if there's silver on the board, you get points. If there's, I think it was gold for the ships, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. and so when you send those out, yeah, you're the only one privy to that information. You get to look, you get to look at them. You decide where they go, and that's your benefit. That's why you went to that spot. But then if nobody takes that spot, it's random. And then that only happened on our last round where. Where everyone asks, like, well, what happens if nobody gets it? It's like, oh, that's random. And we all just look at each other, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, that means, like, I can guess how many yeah. I'm going to do. Like, it was easier when somebody was picking it because then yeah. I know that you're going to throw me under the bus. Yeah, and exactly. I'm not even worried about this spot. But now that it's random, uh, I don't that even was know if I, I could do these actions anymore. Like, I didn't do well so, in that game at all. So cool. Yeah. And then just, like, you could even go home or you can go early and get some extra points if mm-hmm. you saw 
you know, your uh, bidding tokens out. Yeah. You know, and that benefited people who use all their stuff early and was more efficient. And yeah. Go home early, get a couple more points. Yeah. So cool. It was Such good. Such a fun game. Yeah, no, I liked it. I would not say no to play it again. Uh, my only issue is that it's only what I'm going to play with a group. So yeah. you own it. I really don't need to get a copy for myself. Right, exactly. This is the only group that we're going to play with. You know what I found in Euro games? Every Euro game that I own, or any game that I own, where every player has their own little chest, a little yeah. treasure chest or wooden box or something, I have liked every single one of those <laughs> games. There's Livingstone. There is um, there is this one. There is uh, the Dreadful Circus. There is uh, Mansky Caper. There's all these different games yeah. where you have your own little treasure chest or little box that you keep your stuff in. And I don't know why that's so fun. But it works. Like, but Livingstone has a function to it. Yeah. Just keep it secret in this game. Yeah. That's why there's no bottom to it. So it's kind of weird. But... No, it makes sense, though. But yeah. it, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked what it did. Yes. Um, it's probably not my favorite sailing game that you own. The, my Wait. favorite, I'm going to end up owning myself. So, what, what, Stefan Feld, America. Oh, America. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I give you that one. America is probably better. But, but no, it, not by much. Not by much. It's it's really good. I just like the cube tower more in America because you yeah. can start mathing things like, mm-hmm. oh, I know there's a lot of black cubes in, <laughs> in <Right>. there. Exactly. <laughs> so, but if you want to play a more of a traditional, just like worker placement, yeah. Like no. That has the one unique mechanism, whereas like America has like every everything unique, unique mechanism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's like Feld's uh, yeah. M.O. Yeah. You can choose any of the actions that fell out up to the number of the most. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So like... Uh, how did you I... come up with this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just crazy what how he does. But Francis Drake was really good. I enjoyed... Mm-hmm. I really love the Takedo mechanism. Yes. But I didn't really like Takedo itself. This yeah, did it really well. Yeah. Takedo is like a Sushi Go version of Francis Drake. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't as fun. Yeah. yeah. But I digress. That was my, that was the first one I wanted to talk about. All right. Moving on to my next one. All the rest of these, except for my number one, were played on our massive game day last Saturday. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, uh, you've played this one, but you didn't play this one with us. It was helping uh, Gamehead Geek get it off his shelf of shame. But I haven't talked about it in a while, and I haven't played it in a while, and I forgot how much I like this game a lot. This is a co-op game okay. about a sinking okay. island. Oh, yeah. Atlantis yeah, Rising, Atlantis second Rising. edition. Sure. This is, oh, man, I really, really enjoyed it. And we actually Not won. my favorite Sinking Island co-op game. <laughs> but, you know, it's good. Forbidden it's good. Island is okay. Yeah. But I like this one more than Forbidden Island. That's fair. Um, and I think it's more for Forbidden Island's sake is that Pandemic kind of ruined right. all those. <laughs> Illuminous, yeah. yeah. Sinking Island, not Forbidden Island. No. Yeah, so Atlantis Rising is a phenomenal game where you're working – to try to get resources, to get your, um, I forget what it's like, the mechanisms all built up for you mm-hmm. can put the core in. This way your island doesn't sink, but then you have to deal with the wrath of gods. So something's sinking no matter what. Now you have to choose, depending upon how many islands have to choose. Then you have like the Forbidden Island cards in a sense right. where it's telling you where something is sinking. You have to use your special abilities, be like, okay, well, my leader is at that section. It's sinking. I can still use my ability and take the what I needed from there. You have to be smart about how you use your library cards. You have to be smart about how you use your mystic energy to put up shields this way. Because mm-hmm. if one island completely sinks and it gets to the center and that sinks, you lose the game. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was tense. We got very, very close to the end. Luckily enough, um, 
we got one mechanism that would allow me to get something. So I'm like, I'm just going to put my guy way up here, get my ore, and change it to whatever we need after everybody made their exchange. Right. Okay, we need gold. I'll change this for gold. And then we did that. Was able to everybody go there and put up the core, and we had to survive the round. We survived the round because we put a bust uh, a bunch of shields out in that last turn, mm -hmm. and we got lucky. And I had a card that uh, basically forced uh, something to stop acting because it was like my what is it in pandemic all quiet. It was oh, the yeah. essence of an all quiet card. It's like nope, that's not gonna happen. Yep, a big not today, <laughs> not, See, today. not today. So yeah, no, I had a great time with this. Um, the dice roll can be a little lucky from time to time, but yeah. I really, really enjoyed this. And that is Atlantis Rising, um, second edition. Yeah, this you know this is a weird one for me because I do genuinely like it, but I also don't at the same time. Like <laughs> it, it has everything I enjoy in games, and it does it really well. And it's pretty. It's, it's pretty. It does good components. But I've never wanted to play it. Like I've never like every time I play it, I'm like, eh. you know, it's like I don't know why it doesn't do it for me because it has every reason to. Two, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. That's why it's weird for me. Like it's just it. It's not going to make my top one hundred anytime. Yeah, probably not even. I don't. I don't even know it will make my top one hundred if we do another top one hundred later this year. Yeah, it, it just. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. I, I like the game, and I own the game. It's down there somewhere. Right. Uh, but I, I enjoy playing it. It's just, it's weird, like you said. I own it, but it just doesn't hit the table like right. I thought it would. I do enjoy it, and I'm probably going to keep it. It's on this side. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you had... Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's like some Juicy Fruits, another <laughs> island game. Yeah. Well, juicy Fruits better. Well, Juicy Fruits is a Euro, and you would prefer... Juicy Fruits to my wife. I bet she would dig this. Yeah, Juicy Fruits really good. Yeah. You know, next time you come over, if my wife is willing to play a game, suggest that one. Because I do genuinely think she would fall in love with it. But if I suggest it, it's an instant no. <laughs> well, I so, don't blame her. <laughs> I, sold, I sold it to you. Like, I was the one who... Oh, Rising my... Sun win. It's coming sometime soon. Uh, we're, uh, main thing is, right now, yeah. we're trying to dent our shuffle shames. Yeah. This this will be... Illuminous, this is your inside joke. Since you join us a lot and you're awesome, if you see it right there, where it is at the moment, right there, okay? It's still on the shelf of shame. So anytime you watch our episode, if it's right there, you'll know. Um, the next He's talking about talk you. About, oh, what rising I, sun oh rising sun wait what, which one was i pointing at you were looking at tsukiyumi full moon tsukiyumi. down <laughs> yeah I, I do need to play it. um one of these years uh rising sun where is it? it's down there yeah that's why we don't see it um the the next one i want to talk about was uh, a game that i have been like really really help hoping that you would play mm-hmm and we finally got a chance to play it. I know what this one is. a big group. Yep. I had a friend who was visiting from out of town. Um, and I spoke about him in previous episodes. Oh, okay, no. And we had a game group of seven people at my house. So my wife was playing, uh... and my son was playing, and my friend was playing, and we had a bunch of my regulars. We had seven people, and we played Game of Thrones Oathbreaker. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. This is so good. No. Nah. And it's a simple game, too. So, yeah... I, you don't really have a hidden role. Like, your role is clear. Like, I was Ned Stark, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you, you got executed in the first round. 
But here's the thing. That's because you're playing a social deduction game. Well, so it's not so much social deduction as it is just like, um, kind of like hidden objectives. Yeah. Yeah. More so like, so, um, possible trader, because here's the thing. We played with seven players. That means that there was four cards, uh, four loyalists and, oh, I'm sorry, four loyalists, no, four conspirators, three loyalists. You play one one few or the same number as number of players, and the reason that matters is because the king, who was our friend Jim, mm-hmm. of course, he's the beard of knowledge. He yeah. he was the king, and he he wanted to play that role. You play asymmetrically, and the king really does have very interesting roles in in the game, and all the players they are secretly either against him or for him. And here's the thing: with seven players. There's six players who get these loyalists or conspirator cards, and then there's one that's hidden as as mm-hmm. uh, a hidden player. Yeah, and that will either add to the conspirator, the chaos track, or the lo- or the order track at the end of the game. Basically, what happens is uh, everyone on top of that has their own little hidden objective where they're trying to get these cubes yeah. of different colors, and you do it by either completing or failing missions. It depends on the mission, of course. Um, so, like, I might bring order to the to King's Landing, and I might get a couple um, power card or power tokens okay. to the cubes, which are just gold ones, and then that would be towards my objective. But each each character, um, like Ned Stark, for example, he has the ability to discard like any two or three cubes, and I choose a, a player, and then they immediately, either at that point, mm-hmm. choose to draw two cards. Or add four to the chaos track. Okay. Because they could betray me right away. Which is an interesting decision, right? Yeah. And so, in that game, um, you know, spoilers of what I was, I was actually a loyalist. Like, a hundred... Shocking. Shocking. Right. Um, However, my wife, she was a conspirator. And had everyone in the game convinced that she was the most loyal of loyal. (laughs) Like, and that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. There was not a shred of doubt in anybody's mind that she was not, she was, she was the de facto loyalist as far yeah. as anyone was concerned. So when I gave her that ability, I, I looked at Jim and I was like, sir, my liege, what, what am I, like, I want to choose a player. Who do you trust in this game to draw the cards? And he said, Stacy, absolutely. So I let her draw the cards. And she could have just went, oh, I'm going to go chaos right now, you know? Yeah. Because she was the chaos, but we they were already destroying us. And it was really interesting. So basically, every mission, you're going to be playing at least two cards. You can play yep. up to three or four, depending on how many you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. And they will either have symbols that matter for that. It's either like a crow, a crown, or swords yep. that matter for the mission. Or there will be skulls. And there's a lot more skull cards in the deck than, than most anything else. Yeah. So, uh, basically, it's a minus one point for minus one point for every skull, plus one point for every symbol that matches the mission. Simple as that. Um, if you have more of the symbol for the mission than the number of skulls, it succeeds. Anybody who is on it gets the success bonus. Um, otherwise, chaos the chaos marker will move up. Okay. It's really simple how it works. But yeah. Of course, everything's mixed up. And after all, every round of missions, um, there is a chance where the king gets to put his decree on different characters on whether he thinks they're loyal or, or a conspirator. Um, and then that will have also effects that matter to that yeah. player. So he, he put on one of our friends, 
that that they will not or they will only be able to play one card per mission. Okay. And so you get to see these missions play out and some missions have extra things like they might deal random cards to other missions. Okay. Some might uh be like a huge like weird penalty if it fails, but then you also get some of the cubes that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So long story short, if you complete your hidden objective and you are on the winning side at the end of the game, then you win. You're one of the winning players. None of us won. <laughs> and normally I would hate that in the game. But the way everything happened when, when Stacy was revealed as a conspirator, the look of complete shock went over at Jim. He was like, no, you betrayed me. <laughs> and then we all thought about it. We're all like monstrous people. In Game of Thrones, nobody's supposed to win. Yeah. Like, I have never been so happy of a, just a complete ridiculous outcome where we were all tech- hiddenly on these teams. Yeah. And none of us, like, trusted each other enough to allow anybody to get the winning situations. Because anybody who was on the Chaos team, which they handily beat us, they never completed their objectives. And anybody who was on the Order, t- the Loyalist team, yeah. who did... Who Complete. didn't complete their objectives. Didn't matter because they were they on were the losing, losing team. side. <laughs> it was so great. It was one of... It's now one of my favorite deduction games. Like, it's It was so smart how it worked. Both sides were interesting on that. It created great moments. Everybody who got into the theme... Even the people who didn't see Game of Thrones in our group still mm-hmm. liked the game. Like your son. Uh, yeah, my son has never seen it. But he still liked the game a lot. It was fun to kind of justify... It's like, well, it's like, my lord, uh, I will not be able to assist with any of these missions. I'm sorry. (laughs) Which one are you okay with me penalizing? Because I cannot help this. And you can purposefully act like you have, like, bad cards in your hand and throw everybody else. It's so fun. So fun. Yeah, Um, so Illuminus was saying he's waiting on Blood on the Clock Tower. That's his best deduction hidden roll. Yeah. I mean, those both sound fine. It's just they're not something I enjoy playing. It, There's yeah. one game that I've really enjoyed doing that with, and that's um, Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, and see, that's the thing. Like, it's it's more akin to Deception than it is. Oathbreaker was more akin to that than any other. I know. You basically described um, the resistance to me. But this, like, <laughs> there's so much agency that the players have where it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, or whatever if, if the, you the people out or not the medieval version of it Avalon I think is what it's yeah, called yeah Avalon yeah no I I get that resistance resistance is really just cut and dry you either do or you don't yeah that's oh it. no I get it but it's just this again has... it's, it's one of those things that just it doesn't it's like um trying to get you to play like Arkham Horror or something or another sure well, I like Arkham you like uh you I don't like, like Eldritch yeah, well Eldritch Horror I'm talking about like just Arkham Horror in general but. I get it. I Eldritch get it. Horror plays just like Arkham Horror. I don't... No. Well, not no. third edition. The, third edition, yeah. Yeah, third edition no, does I, something different. I like yeah. Arkham because of the absurdity. Eldritch was just bland. But, no, what, I get it. It's the same I get thing. the comparison. <laughs> what I'm saying is that... Just I, one was in Arkham and the other was in the world. This is one of those examples that I do think you would all you would enjoy, personally. Yeah, that's like I said, there's only... Uh, a third edition, yeah, is different. The Arkham Horror, second edition, and Eldritch Horror... Are basically the same thing. Just one's in the city, and the rest, the other ones in the world. <laughs> you still closing? Let's not get into this right now. I can be very passionate about. Yeah, I know about that. But so, I do think that 
if you ever gave this a shot, I think you would be surprised by it. Because I, mm-hmm. I think it's more like deception than it is like most of the others. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not something that's on my radar or I'm interested sure. in. I get it. I don't think I'll be able to convince you, but yeah. I think that if we were playing in Trust me, I got like all that shelf over there to play. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I do think that if, if we so happen to be playing this in a group and you're like, all right, I think that of all the deduction games, this is one that you should give a shot to. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to my second game that I'm going to talk about, or second on my list, not uh-huh. my second game. My number two is a worker placement game that we played, and it was the first game that we played on Saturday morning, mm. and okay. it actually intrigued me with what it was doing. It, this, it was the first one we played. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. Manhattan Project, oh, Manhattan. Enemy Empire. Yeah. Or Energy Empire. Energy Empire. <laughs> that sounds like how we play it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Energy Empire? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I actually really... Worker placement. Darn it! Worker placement is one of my favorite mechanisms of all yes. time. And that's funny because we're talking about worker placement games. Right, we will. Uh, but this one was intriguing. Um, what's sad was that people didn't really get their expansion until someone swooped in to save it. Because Minion Games and that whole situation. Yeah. But I really dug this game and... If I find a copy in the wild that's not super expensive, I'll probably pick it up because I liked what it did. Sure. My only complaint, and I understand why they did it, was that it was everything was cardboard, and this way yep. you could see the stacking. But it's just like just make it a little different because I would get my people and uh, energy confused because they're the same. And that, and that was also the first question I asked: was like, why are all these pictures different? From yeah, these characters do they have a different ability? It's like, no, no, this is yeah, no. And it, it's the same okay. size. It's like if you're gonna do tokens, make the, maybe make the workers square, and make the um, the energy the rectangle that was there. This way, you know, you have a little difference, and you can still see the stacking mechanism part of it. Because the way it works is like if someone goes there, they only have to spin their worker. But if I went to one spot and you wanted to go to it, you needed to spend a worker and an energy to go there. And if someone else wanted to use that spot, they needed yeah. to spend a worker and two energy to yeah. go there. Which and I, like. I, I like that a lot. I thought that was quite interesting. No one's ever yeah. really blocked out of a spot. They just have to produce their energy. And I like the way that you can use oil to give yourself energy because, hey, it's a, it's a resource that you use all the time. But then once you start getting actual dice into the game for your energy, the blue dice, the red dice, the yellow die, and... Because it was blue, brown, black, and it's all different energy. So the the brown was yeah. uh huh yeah it was yellow. It was yellow. Yellow green. Green. Brown. Blue, brown. No red. Black. Black. Yep. So black was coal. Like you were burning coal for energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, brown was you're burning oil for energy, and you could only use it for that round if you turned in oil um, yep. drums. Yep. Uh, you could have nuclear power, which was the yellow. Yellow, yep. uh, yellow blue, black, and green stayed with you. Yes. Whereas the brown ones, they had to be used that turn. Right. They all had the their same thing. Some were really more powerful than others. Like the green one gave you a lot of energy. However, their, the pollution it gave you was nuclear. Yeah. And so nuclear and was, was always nuclear. Yeah. You could not get nuclear waste yeah. from rolling And the out. thing is, nuclear is actually harder to clear out because yeah. you would have, when you do a recycle action, it allows you to recycle a token. If you had a, like a normal pollution token, you can just get rid of it. But if you had a nuclear, you had to flip it to its other side to make it normal pollution. And then you have to spend another recycle action to take rid of it. So there was like a spot on the board that gave you a two recycle action. You could either get rid of two normal pollution or one nuclear pollution. Right. And I thought that was interesting because it, 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 you know, nuclear is harder to get rid of. It absolutely uh, radiation. Is, yeah. So, 
I thought it had a, like a lot of fun little things that it did. The worker placement yeah. aspect was it was neat. I like the different buildings, the different um, achievements. I guess you could say for the end of the game gives you different victory in game scoring. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a really close game. I think there was like a twelve point difference between first yeah, and last place of a four player game. Close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I barely won by like three points or something like that. Think, was that a second? Was no, I you last? were last. I was last. You were right. 88. I was 100. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, is, it played phenomenal. Um, like I said, if I find this out in the wild and was able to pick up a copy, I'm going to. It, it was that good. Yeah. And then uh, Illuminous, yeah, bringing up Blood, Blood on the Clock Tower. Yeah, um, Blood on the Clock Tower does look interesting to me. I don't want to try it. Um, is there a print and play? If you happen to know, let me know. Um, I know you play it on uh, Tabletop soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, but as far as Manhattan Project, Energy Empire... It did a lot of really smart stuff. What I liked about it, what I thought was really interesting, is the fact that energy can only be used to bump up certain things. Yeah. But then your workers were what you actually had to send out. Yep. But then the, the buildings that you got... You can use your energy for. Yeah, you could use energy or workers. Mm-hmm. And so that alone was a really interesting <laughs> choice that I, didn't, that I started realizing after a while of playing it. I was like, wow... I like obviously like I don't like I want to send out my workers one at a time and get the most efficiency out of them. I don't want yeah. to use them for the buildings. But then if I'm only using energy for the buildings, I'm really limiting myself, myself as on the spots. Workers. Yeah, yeah, because you can't send out more than one worker on a spot to count as that. Well, and that big, was such a cool choice. And the big thing about it with you too is that you kept deciding just roll one die for energy. It, yeah. it started to hurt you towards the end of the game, right. whereas yeah. I bumped up my energy like in the beginning of the game. I didn't go for workers till towards the end. And then also the big difference <laughs> is even though I was I was still fairly close, even though I came up in the yeah. last place, I mine whole my whole board was almost completely eradicated. Like it was full of radiation. Yeah, and I was like, I'm just not even going to try and make a healthy <laughs> environment. I don't care if my if my people survive at this point. Yeah, I want this to be. I want to try and go for these end games. Yeah, and I had easily more end game points than anybody else. Yeah, and it still put you. <laughs> it still put me last because I was so far behind during the game. Well, because also because you're bored. If you have it complete, you're not getting points out of that. Yeah. So you get bonus. You get a point for every clean spot on your board. Plus, yes. there's two certain or two no three sections at the back end of the if you got a column right. and they're all clean, it in, eventually can get you up to six extra right. points. But that wasn't the reason I lost. What what really lost was that um, have like those no no, but I'm saying but there was throughout the game. Yeah, that was really the big part, and that was also interesting yeah. because normally I don't like that in games either, where it's like oh a random event. It's not random. You can look at it, yeah, and see what's coming up. There was a there was a point it. where uh, our mutual friend Gamehead Geek looked yeah, at one. Oh, oh God! Oh, and he oh, started oh. clearing his pollution. So every one of us at the board was like, "Nope, we know what's coming up." And we started clearing our pollution. And you're just like, "I'm screwed." No, yeah, I had so much like radiation <laughs> and, and pollution. I was like, "I was like, I'm gonna look just to see if he's bluffing." Nope. <laughs> it's like, like you get heavily penalized for like, like yeah. I think you no, know, what it was is every pollution token flips to nuclear side. Yeah, to three, and you guys all had like no tokens on your board. And I yeah, like, I had two tokens like on my. All I had two tokens on my entire board. One was pollution. One was right. an oil drill. I was, I was like, I'm just gonna eradicate everything right now, or radiate everything right now. Yeah. So that way, nothing can flip from pollution to radiation. Because that's all. Ra- <laughs> what I have, anyway. yeah, yeah. That was it. Was so fun. That was a really great game. I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was our first game too, and we yeah. had a good time with it. It was a great way to start. Yeah. Uh, next game I want to talk about was a game that you and I played. Um, speaking of, you know, 
friendly themes of Game of Thrones and pollution, let's talk about murder. Oh, the this is, uh, yeah. Yes, the That's the reason end. why I didn't put it on my list because I knew it was going to be it's on a yours. Simple card game. Oh, um, so good. Nice and dark. The idea is that you are inviting people in your home. The richest, the richest innkeeper is the winner. Yep. Um, it plays nice and quick. Plays over a series of rounds where you are where you deal some uh, people who come to the come to your inn and you either bribe them to become part of your your team, which mm-hmm. you have to pay them every turn. Though, though I have, do have one complaint about it, and we'll talk uh, about it in a little bit. Yep. Um, and then you can also use them for like their specialties, or you can build annexes, which mm-hmm. is interesting. So you play a card face up as an annex, which you have to. Uh, every card has like a rank on it. Mm-hmm. It's anywhere from zero, zero to two three. or three. Yeah, everything from zero to three. I think zeros are really only um, like the the peasants or whatever that. That, that would just come into there. And everything else... Newsboys were zero as well. Which ones? Newsboys. Oh, okay. Yeah, so all of them... The the rank is how many other cards you have to discard to play them. Which is a simple idea. Yeah. Um, but of the four actions, all of them work that way. So if you play them as an annex, you have to discard that many. Yeah. If you want to recruit them to your team, you have to discard that many. Um, if you Not necessarily to, discard, but you have to yeah. play so many cards. Right. That's how many cards you have to play. Um, and then if you want to, uh, you know, kill them, you know, unfortunately sometimes it happens <laughs> if you want their money, yeah. um, the, then also you have to discard that number of cards. And then also you, of course you can't have bodies lying around, so you gotta it's, bury it's them too. It's a very dark theme, but it oh, is a very so dark theme. good. And the art is pretty creepy too. Yeah. Um, but it, another game that like, I'm going to pick up a copy e- of. Yeah, each of the different character types have an affinity. So like, mm-hmm. for example, you might have like, um, a priest. Mm-hmm. Who's you know bearing people is kind of his thing, right? Oh, yeah. So if you play at those cards to do the action, then then you they go back to your hand. You just don't discard them. Simple as that, right? Um, but then of course you don't want to like spend all your time like getting this big team because at the end of every round they cost you a coin. So like it it costs a lot of money at, yeah, yeah. at the end of every round. So you don't want to waste your time doing that. Yeah, because you got to keep. Uh, no matter how many you're in your hand, you got to pay yeah. them. And you only get two mm. actions on your turn. Yeah. So like that's not that many. Yeah. So you want to get them out of your hand. You want to use them for their abilities when necessary. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to like have a huge team of people you have to pay off every round. And yeah. There's a really cool balance in how these all yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. All of the annexes have their own special abilities. Some yeah. will be like end game stuff. Some will be like. And they can uh, hold so many bodies. You can, they can each hold. A number of bodies yeah. equal to its rank. So if I build a two rank annex, I can hold two bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be police officers. That, that was uh, my complaint. Yeah, that was the that was a fair complaint, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But when those come out, um, then you know, at the end of that, if you have bodies lying around, then you got to discard them, and then you're gonna get penalized because you have to bribe off the yeah. officer. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a really tongue in cheek, but it's a very dark theme. Yeah, yeah. And I get why some people might not like about it. Talking about that complaint, yeah, uh, the one that you have is that those cards are not clearly marked as to when police the, officers yeah, come yeah, up. Yeah, the only way you can notice it's a police officer is that because they got little pistols on the corner yep. and they don't have like special abilities in a sense. Right. So we looked through the rule book and it never explains that part right. of it. The only reason we remember maybe or, we missed it, but I don't think. Yeah, no, we both looked through it and we didn't see it. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's just that when the the if someone's in the hotel and you have bodies that are not buried, something happens. But you also can recruit them, and they're they're, <laughs> and they're good at killing people. Yeah, <laughs> they're your best shooters. Yeah, so. It's, so, it's so demented. 
It, it's so dark. I like it a lot. And I like how my favorite part about that is that you own certain rooms, right? Yeah. And at the end of the round, uh, everybody who's still alive, you know, they're like, hey, thanks for the th- room. And they give you a coin. Coin, yeah. <laughs> Only one. It's like, oh, okay. But so, then there's some abilities that allow you to own multiple rooms. So, like, in a two-player game, mm-hmm. we had five rooms in total, three random, right. and then two per we'll player. Or one on. per player, yeah. 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 And then we can start putting stuff out there. There's another card that allows you to put room service tokens out there. Yes. So if anybody stays in that room, you get paid for that as well. Right. Exactly. Just by going in there. Yeah. And so it gets to a point when you do something like that with the room service, it's like, well, he's going to kill the, or kill or take the guy that's in my room. This way I don't get a coin. So I've put the room service on this one because if he might not recruit this guy, I'm still getting paid no matter what. Exactly. No, it's, it's, if you're okay with that dark theme, mm-hmm. which I get why, if you're not, cool, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's fine. But I'm I'm okay with demented themes. I yeah. like horror movies. I like all that stuff. That doesn't bother me. This game was really fun. Yeah, no, it was a it was a good time. I'm I really enjoyed it. More players, though. Yeah, uh, I heard it plays better with less crowds. Like a solo version of yeah. it is really good. Uh, playing it uh, two players is really good from yeah. what we know. But yeah. yeah, I just heard that it's better like with smaller play groups, just because of the. How quick, how quick it is. Yeah. yeah. I can believe that. All and right. You and me were knocking out rounds every, like, yeah. in a minute. Hey, it took us about 30 minutes, and that's with reading the rules. Yeah, exactly. All right. The last song, or last song, well, that tells you what my number one game is. Uh, the last, uh, my number one game that I want to talk about that I've played is Vagrant Song. Oh, speaking of songs. Yeah. So this probably is going to jump up there on my favorite games played. Mm-hmm. Um, I played the first scenario twice. You and me worked out the rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Figured out we still missed some stuff, like oh, the yeah. rituals and stuff yeah. like that. Well, that wasn't that we didn't know the rules on that. There was one rule that, that at first we were like, no, no, yeah. that, like we're playing that wrong. Yeah. But then it made it made sense once we clarified it. Yeah. But yeah, the rituals we just completely neglected. <laughs> yeah, we ignored them. We remembered them. Really. Yeah. But then we completely forgot as soon as the game started. Yeah, so, so it, but I think, honestly, the acrylic stuff is going to be the next big thing. Because yes. um, uh, Sorcerer Arena does it. This one does it. Yep. Both do it very well from what I've seen. Um, Vagrant Song's more on the creepy side. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's creepy. I mean, Dude, I, I like the, the, the art on that a lot. Yeah, well, I love the art, but like the first hint, uh, which is what they call the ghosts in those Sir, games. How dare you use that language on our podcast? Has an exposed <laughs> spine. <laughs> yeah, it's cartoony. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's not. No, no, like, yeah. I, I like the style of it. I love the twenty, uh, right. the twenty style, like the old timey cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what's going on here. It's scenario based. Um, in fact, I just played it re- recently again with some friends of ours that we bit, we did like the Harry Potter. We're doing like little campaigns here and there, the same ones I do um, uh, initiative with. Yeah. We played this one. And we liked it, and I actually got to see like what the camping phase does, and storing, and saving, and stuff like that it made so much sense, and things that you can do. So, being able to have these rewards at the end of the game can give you good things, ability during the camp phase to move right. on to the next scenario. And it does something like Initiative does. Whether you win or lose, you just read different moments, and you keep going on through the chapter of the campaign. So there's different things that are going to happen. Luckily, we won both times, uh, but. I will say it's very it is lucky at times because you have bones. Mm-hmm. If you're playing it as a campaign with people, you need to have a good mix of characters. Yeah. You need someone that's really good with investigating. You need someone that's really good for fighting. You have you need standard dungeon crawl yeah. style. Yeah, it's yeah. the dungeon crawl campaign style, but 
way it works and what it does and the fact that it's so different compared to some of the stuff out there for like these campaigns dungeon crawl style games that your vagrants fighting on a hobo train or tr jumping trains and stuff like that yeah. fighting something that's going on you don't know what the big story is just yet but yeah it is it's phenomenal i have a really good time with it and every scenario is different you have different rules um so we realized, like, uh, there's a round tracker. There could be a scenario where you have to meet some certain rounds yeah. before you lose or win or whatever. Whereas in some scenarios, it's just there because if the if one of the tokens hits a certain point, you read a story event. Right. And it just, I love what it's doing. You're basically just trying to make the bad guys re remember their their humanity and you're reading stories throughout the game. It's it's really good. I really like it. Uh, I love the little stuff like the hobo code. The the haints is the name of the bad guy. Yeah. The um, you're not beating them up or no, you're, you're not you're punching them. Up. You're busting them up. You're not healing. You're patching up. I like that yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you're not rolling dice. You're rolling bones. Yeah. Now, so a lot of the things that it does. Yeah. Is is a perfect example of what you can do with a dungeon crawl and not have to do the same old generic fantasy yeah. dungeon crawl. Yeah, exactly. Um, Illumina says, I like more acrylics. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Ever since we started seeing those pop up more, it has all of the benefits of miniatures with the addition of really nice color. And, yeah, in the standee, like a like inexpensive, like a cardboard standee. It's a little yeah. bit more pricey, but yeah, it's phenomenal. They look really yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny because there it's that eye popping. We talk about it all the time. What's the one that's going to grab eyes at tables? This one will have it. It's got a unique style. Those acrylic standees really stand out. So yeah, for my number one, it's Vagrant Song. Cool. Yeah, Vagrant Song was fun. Uh, what what I like my favorite part about Vagrant Song, and I don't I didn't like it as much as you did, but I did like it. Um, was those number tokens that handle events mm -hmm. and how they could go anywhere. Yeah, they could, they could go on around. The they could go on the breaking part, like whenever you mm -hmm. break the, the big bad guy. They could be on parts of the board where when you just go on them, you encounter them. They can go in the, the token bag, bag the token and have bag. a random event happening. Yeah. All of that was really smart, and I like that a lot. And the thing is, is like it's got two sections to read. When you're doing a scenario, when you're pulling those numbers, it's the event basically yes. on the scenario, but then you also have stuff in the back of the rule book that you mm -hmm. can read for the moments in the story. So I love what they're doing with that one. Right. Very good. And the last one that, that I wanted to talk about was a game that is considered the spiritual successor to Quacks of Quellenberg. It's a very different game, uh, but it's by the same designer, follows the same <laughs> oh. alliteration, you know, Quacks of Quedlinburg. This is Taverns of Tiefenthal, which, so, I was always on the fence about. I ended up getting a, getting a copy of it because I heard that it's good, but then, of course, I like the simplicity of Quacks of Quedlinburg, so I was like, okay, this is another thing. And then I looked at how it played, and I was like, ooh, this is a lot more moving parts. Like, it's not streamlined as as much as, you know, like Quacks is. Yeah. yeah. But then I was like, okay, you know, we'll give it a try. You know, we tend to like this. And everything it does, it oh, does a so lot good. of things differently than a lot of games. Mm -hmm. And each of those choices was a really neat thing. First off, it's kind of a deck builder. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's a dice drafting thing. Yeah. And so this does a good job of like, yeah, higher roll is better technically sometimes depending on your player, right? Yeah. So like, I of course, I probably want a higher number. But since we're drafting... 
if I roll bad, who cares, right? I'm going to yeah. still get picks from you guys. Yeah. So. And if someone rolls, like, decent numbers, hey. Yeah. Then but everyone then, gets decent numbers, right? But the thing I like about that, and when we're talking about, like, the dice drafting, mm-hmm. you sometimes want low numbers. If yes. you want it to trigger certain things, it's like, right. man, those three ones, all right, I'm not, I know at least I'm getting a one over here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and that's right, because your patrons start off only activating on ones, ones and twos. Ones and twos. And then your beer also uh, yeah. on ones. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, ones and sixes could be your beer right mm-hmm. and then but every card that is not a patron in there adds more to different benefits so yeah. like you might have like a, a bar back who can add one to one oh, or I you might it. have a, a barmaid who who lets you uh get one of your own specialty dice that yeah. you, only you get and it doesn't even get drafted yeah you get to um, use it no matter what yeah and then other ones might let you get more bonus for every like one or six that you assign gets you more beer or ones might be just add on beer by itself for free, but it doesn't combo like the other ones do. And that's just the the bonuses that you can get as cards. You can also get a table, which that table alone. Speaking of which, I gotta get a score from you because I messed up on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that to you in a bit. Um, that table alone is one of my favorite cards in deck building now because. It allows and, you to get and, another patron out. And another patron guaranteed. But here's the thing. What I liked about it, why it was so fun, is that it, in other deck builders, like, yeah, like, there's some that are just worth points, right? So, like, in Dominion, for example, you get the cards that let you draw extra cards. Mm-hmm. That just that gives you a possibility of more options, yes. This guarantees you more options. Yeah. Because when you get out the table... You're still going to keep drawing until it, you get a patron. Yeah. That's a guarantee. Which means you can card. get more cards out there. So, like, right. if you don't have a lot of patrons and you have, like, a lot of bar winches, a lot of... Uh, yeah. And you know what my favorite thing with Taverns with Team of Fall was? What was that? The upgrading ability. Yes. Everything on that board can Board can upgrade it. But what I liked about it is the tables. Like, if you have multiple mm-hmm. tables, you can deduct the tables right. for... And, and upgrade that. Which upgrade. lets you get the nobles. Yeah. Which, so, okay, nuance number one that I really like. <laughs> nobles are where the big points are, right? Yeah. But if but they're patrons, and they're not as good as most patrons. They just... They're, a two die gets you two coins. Okay, yeah. whatever. But all nobles stick together. Yeah. All nobles stick together. So as you're drawing through your cards, and you're getting nobles and nobles and nobles, then you're going to be getting... Uh, they they all just stick together, so it doesn't matter. You're never gonna have more than one yeah. one spot that has nobles. So that's a cool nuance. Secondly, the dice drafting makes a lot of sense because it, it's different for most because a one and a two might be preferable for me, where a three and a four might be for you. Thirdly, every part of that board, which at first I was like, ah, I hate the way this board put pieces together. No, yeah. it works fine. Yeah. Because you have so many cool things that you can do with it. One, you can go into your treasure chest, which is either one coin, or if you upgrade it, it's three coins. I know, um, but, uh, the treasure chest can hold up to five if you upgrade it. Oh, then you also have, like, the uh, the, the things that can hold beer, or, oh, yeah. or that which normally hold up to two, where you upgrade it, holds up to five. That's the that's the chest. The, the What you're talking about is the lockbox to the cashier. The lockbox, yeah, the cashier's lockbox. But then you also have the, the person who's sitting there, which lets you get automatic money, either, like, one or three coins or whatever, yeah. if you upgrade them. Uh, you have a dog, which if you upgrade, you get another barmaid, which is on automatic one of your dice. One of your dice, yep. No, every round. Yeah, and then nuance number five or whatever I'm on right now, when you buy a card, it goes on top of your deck. 
And the yep. order that you buy it in determines what order it comes out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's deck building, technically. But you get a pre-plan your next turns mm-hmm. by the upgrades that you get, you get yep. from the patrons that you've paid. And you talked about the, the nobles, right, buy. where they stack on top yeah. of each other? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This thing, <laughs> this game has so many cool moving parts that you don't see in any other game. Like, so if you like Quacks of Quinlanburg, I say you, you should give this one a try. But if you want something that is a little bit more gamery yes. than Quacks, yes. this is the game for you. Absolutely. Like, I get the argument. It's like, oh, you can just have a bad pull in Quacks. Yep, you can. This, if you get a bad pull, that's because you planned a bad pull. <laughs> yeah. Because you decided what went on that deck. Yes, exactly. And you can modify the dice. You also have the, the monastery where you're moving your token around, right? It looks like a school or a, a scoreboard, but it's not. Only your cards are scoring at the end of the game. This is just a board where as you go around in the circle, you get bonuses like extra cards. You get to move on other things. You get to upgrade stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. What, what's funny about this one, though, is that you didn't do well in this game. <laughs> no, I did pretty bad. But I there is a 20-point difference between first and yeah. last place, but third place, there was a 10-point <laughs> difference yeah. between no, first. I, I did pretty bad in this, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. It's just, what it did was so cool. All of the moving parts were really fascinating. Yeah. Everything you did had a really interesting choice. It was It was way more strategic than I thought, but it wasn't at first, I thought it was going to be completely convoluted. It wasn't. Um, T. T. Cheth, for, forgive me for I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, it said, "Darn nobles, they ruined my noble land." That's, <laughs> that's fair, but no, the Tavern yeah, of Tiefenthal. I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, if you wanted, if you liked Quacks and you wanted a same flavor but a lot more option, a lot more strategy, this is your game. I can. I'm very happy to have this in my collection. And now this is one of those games where uh, lately I've been finding games every once in a while where I play. And I'm like, man, that was really solid. I've yeah. really, and I want to play it like four or five more times. Like, yeah. They really see how you. Yeah. Like uh, I talked about Inuit. That yep. was one that I've been playing the mess out of. Yeah. Played. There was one a few weeks ago that I played and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I, I oh, now? Like, I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I don't remember what the game was off the top of my head, but I know that there was one that... Someone's got cats on his mind. Recently. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just these games that, I'm, that I've been really hitting lately that have been just completely fascinating to me lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is one of them. Taverns of Tiefenthal. Seriously, go find a copy of it. Yeah, this one it was really good. Um, I really enjoy playing it. Uh, I was just thinking about it like... Uh, it's one of those games that is just kind of like... Man... That was good. I want to play it again to see how better I do or how worse I do. Did yeah. I like just stumble into a really good? Uh... Oh, Return to Dark Tower. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's the other one I've been like. I, I kind of want to just like play that. Yeah, I want to play that one some more. I want to try some of the news or the the different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe well, on one of my picks, I'll pick it again. This way we can do with the minis this time, and you know, because sometimes yeah. you just want to play a, a, a game that's really fun. I just got into Space Base, liking that somewhat similarity to Catan. Space Base is so good. Uh, I think everyone in our group owns Space Base. Yes, John DeClaire, that that won our dice game. Yeah. (laughs) Two dice in the entire game. Well, I won't won't spoil anything. I won't spoil everything. Well, I I know uh, the 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 campaigns might add more stuff later right. on, but mm-hmm. I, I I really do need to play the campaigns. But you 
really, I really, really, really enjoy just the base game itself. And mind you, I have one, two, three, four active campaign games going on right yes. now. Probably more. I'm just not thinking of it. Yeah. And then I just picked up another one that's kind of a campaign game. I got the Viticulture expansion. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the wine crate right there. <laughs> yep. No, stop bragging. Stop flexing. No, Whatever. but I'm saying what I like about it, it's got like a wine glass rings on it. Just a yeah. I you know when you sent us a picture of it, I genuinely thought it was real wood. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then like you opened it up, I was like, wait a minute, hold on, that's slightly less cool because of that. But no, I see. I like getting those kind of big boxes just sure. to you know save my shelf space. Yeah, but really good choice with uh, space space. Glad glad you enjoy it. So let's get into our topic. Today. Yeah, that was a long time of yeah, it was almost an games. hour. So yeah, we apologize if you find this is the boring part, but man, we are excited about these games and we just yeah, they were really to good. Tell you about them, yeah. We uh, honestly, I've got I got a lot of games played in the, those uh, three last weeks. Couple, last yeah. time we talked talked about it because I'm looking at it, it's over double digits, really. Yeah, same here. Oh yeah, we've played so and a lot of shelf of shame stuff and these yeah. are top notch ones. Yeah. So let. What we do in this in this style of format, our compare and contrast episodes, is that we take two games that are that are in the community are compared. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes based on mechanism, sometimes based on theme, sometimes based on uh, a designer. Designer that yeah. kind of like you could see. A uh, case in point, we've done Magic: The Gathering and Keyforge with yeah, Richard Garfield. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when both of these games came out, they were given that same treatment because. Uh, you know, these games go into development for a really long time. Mm-hmm. and But the fact that they both came out and they were both coined as, hey, suddenly now we have a worker placement and deck building. Yeah. And then the other one's like, wait a minute. So do we. <laughs> What's going Hold on? Hold on. You know, and then there was just so, a big old infight about like which one's better, which does it better, right, and stuff like and there that. There's a lot of arguments. So we thought we would settle it now. Um, if you've not played either of these, hopefully our our talking about it today, yep. our compare and contrast, will highlight some of the nuances of the games and tell you if either of these are something that you would be interested in, or if not. But then, if of course we all understand this limited, yeah. neither of these games are cheap. I think Lost Ruins is sixty at least. I don't. I think Doom and that's uh, is yeah, like also more. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so it's worth comparing because. Money is money still. So, um, and no, we're not missing it because we're going to talk about. We're uh, going to talk about it here in a little bit. Four different worker placement deck building games here in a minute. So, Illuminous, thank you for the reminding. But yeah, we'll. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a minute. But the main reason is that these were the hotness. These are the ones that were getting compared. Uh, You saw when they first came out. Oh, Dune Imperium. No, Last Ruins of Arnak. Yeah. Both of the games. Both of them just got expansions recently. So that put them on there, too. And so we decided it would be a good one to talk about. Absolutely. And hopefully, like I said, if if one of them piques your interest, hopefully this will decide which one you should go to. Um, and, And we'll. We will voice our opinions on them near the end as well. Yeah. So let's let's delve into this. Before we get into it, let's go ahead and talk about the, the two extra ones yes. before we, so we get a riot in the chat room. Our friend brought up a good point. He's like, oh, you're missing, you're missing a third one, and that's Endless Winter. And we have a mutual friend who backed it on Kickstarter, and he brought up a really good point. And too. I got the pre-order for it myself. And you got pre-order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Endless Winter is another one that was developed around the same time as these other two. However, uh, both 
uh, CGE and Legendary Direwolf. They're both really established. Legendary is the, the movie yeah. company. Direwolf is the game. Yeah. yeah. Direwolf is the, the is game the developer. Yeah. They're both um, very much established. Yeah. And so they don't have to use fundraising in order to do that. Crowdfunding, so yeah. It looks like, it, and it appears to me that they were both developed and created the games around mm-hmm. the same time. But these two had the advantage. There we go. These two had the advantage of being able to just go straight into publication and printing. Whereas Endless Winter, um, which is the one that came out around the same time. Yeah, and they're still working on it. They're still developing it or printing it. The big thing about that one, too, is that because they just basically set up these two then came out with it. And already had expansions planned, but they didn't have to release them right away. Whereas Endless Winter, it's one of those crowdfunding things is they're they're trying to get everything out at once because, you know, it's the reward sort of situation. That that hurt it, too. Yes, exactly. Um, Plus, on top of the lockdowns. Yeah, and and then you've got COVID going on and then the shipping uh, situation and... A lot of it, like the printing stuff, where yeah. the where they print everything was shut down for quite right. a while. So it's taken them a bit. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's funny when we're doing like this compare and contrast between Dune Imperium and Lost Ruins of Arnak. If we had Endless Winter, I think it would be between Lost Ruins of Arnak and Endless Winter because they seemed right. a lot more closer than these two. Yeah, most certainly, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, they they are different. We we noticed that. Um, I don't know if they're, they're different enough to have both. Like if I if I bought one of these, I know which one I would. Yeah. And I don't think if I owned one, if I'd want to own the other one. But that's just me. It's it's also become uh, to personal taste, and we'll get into it when we do the compare and right. contrast part of it, because it is one type of gamer might like one over the other. Right. So now I want to talk about the other one that is yeah. kind of like I, I brought up four, and that's because Endless Winter also had that also had um, the same repertoire of coming around near the yeah. same time, also a deck builder worker placement. But there was a deck builder worker placement game that came out, I want to say 2012. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, been a while. It's, it's been a while. I'll double check here in a bit. And it's a Freedom and Freeze game that like hardly has anybody talking about it. But at the time, from what I knew, I do believe that when it came out, it was the first worker placement deck building game. Because... Might be. I, didn't, I never played it, so I can't tell. And this is Copycat by Freedom and Freeze. Came out with 2F, 2F Spiel in here in the United States. It was printed by Real Grand Games. Mm-hmm. Um... The, the premise of it is that you're running a political campaign, which honestly I think is a great premise for a deck builder, really, because it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Is running a political campaign. It's pretty loose as to what it actually talks about, but really what you're, what the whole premise of Copycat is, is that uh, Freedom and Freeze took some of the best concepts of different games and combined them to make this whole wholly unique game. For example, the worker placement part of it is entirely like the premise of Agricola, mm-hmm. where the worker placement spots come out and through every round, a new one comes out. That is now a new available spot. Yep. Through different sections of it, you shuffle up packs of cards and you deal them out on the board random. Um, that's the worker placement part. The deck building also uses kind of like a card river, uh, like through the ages, yeah. where, the, where they become cheaper the further down you go, or I'm sorry, more expensive the higher up you go. Yeah. But... There are still places to do it. But you use this, and the deck building is more akin to like a Dominion kind of style. Yeah. But you're using your cards in conjunction with that to send out your workers, get the right funding, get victory points sometimes. Um, Any spots that aren't used throughout the round become more beneficial, so you put out more victory point tokens. It's a really silly theme, 
um, it makes fun of a lot of like satire and stuff in it. Yeah, and it works really, really darn well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually really impressed with it when I played it because it really did exactly what it was trying to do. It copied um, parts that it was homaging, like yeah. like really great games, and putting together like the best uh, pieces from them. And so there, there was like a, an expression in German which is what the original title is called, mm-hmm. but it's basically succeeding on the uh, from the feathers of others or something like that. <laughs> or like the bird can fly from the feathers of others. Or yeah, yeah. Like that. And that's the whole premise of it. Is It's straight up just we're copying these ideas and putting them together in a new game, and therefore, you know, it creates a new success. And it yeah. was an awesome game. So out of all of those, out of all these games that we're talking about today, that's the only one I own. <laughs> <laughs> so take that as you will. I'm I very own passionate about it. I, I own two and a half. of these. Daniel owns both of these. Yeah. So he's already going to like both of them better than I'm going to like either of them. Yeah. Which is fair. Which, which is interesting because uh, when I first played Lost Ruins of Arnak, I'm, I, I liked it. Yeah. But it was okay. Sure. I actually picked it up because I caught it on a deal. Right. <laughs> there was... Okay, so my initial play for both of them. Let's delve into it. Let's yeah. talk about the first... First time we play and how we and how we enjoy it now. Yeah. The first time I played either of them, I I didn't necessarily like either of them. Yeah. Like, I I thought they were okay. I get what they were doing. I didn't particularly like either of them. Um, at the time, if I had a preference, it was Lost Ruins of Arnak because I preferred the exploration theme. Yeah. Now, full full honesty, I know nothing about Dune. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know the IP. I don't know the backstory of anything. So a lot of the stuff that they reference, like Spice and and whatever those Solari, Solari, I you know, it, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably why I like the theme, and I do tend to like less sci-fi. I like adventure a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I probably like this Adventure Island. That's the game we're talking about. <laughs> um, so I like the theming of Lost Ruins of Arnak better. Mm-hmm. Um. I also tend to like um, non-IP games as well, a yeah. little bit more. So if I had to pick between the two, at my initial play, I would have picked Lost Ruins still. Yeah, for me, it would have been Dune Imperium. Um, I am tied to the, the theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so now than ever, because uh, with my dad passing away, he was a big fan of Dune. And so it, it gives me more of a nostalgia, more of a connection sure. to it. Uh, but the first time we played them, I, I liked lo- what Lost Ruins of Arnak did. And I really liked what Dune Imperium did, because I did feel the the theme coming out of Dune Imperium. Because yeah. one thing about it, for sure, the difference between these two is... One is a straight Euro game, yes. whereas one is a hybrid between Euro uh, Euro mechanisms and thematic. Uh, so I a lot yes. of people call it Euro trash because it's a uh, Euro and Ameritrash. I love the the combat aspect of it because again I'm used to doing. Um, my my dad read the books when I was younger. We watched the old school movie. Uh, we were talking about getting excited to go see the new movie when it was going to come into theaters, and then you know COVID happened and stuff like that. Right. So we did. We, uh, he did get to watch it. I haven't been able to watch it lately or yet myself. The new movie. I've watched the old one since um, his passing, just because you know the nostalgia kind of thing, and. This one's based off the newer movie, but I do I'm very familiar with the the theme and stuff like that. So sure. I went going into this originally, I was like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Right. I like deck building, I like worker placement, and then right. they put the Dune theme on it. That's cool. Bought it. I actually asked for it for Christmas. My wife made a mistake and yep. got me the the original Dune game, which I need to get played. 
And so she's just like, you know what? Just I made a mistake. I didn't read it properly. Just go ahead and order it. And so I ordered it. We played it. Yeah, now I have both. And then I got Lost Ruins of Honor. I played it before I owned it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I liked what it was doing too. And I bought this one. Yeah. So let me ask you a question then. And Mm -hmm. I want to... So as somebody who doesn't know anything about the theming, Mm -hmm. um, my impression with what I got from Dune Imperium is that if you're not a gamer, if you're just a Dune fan, I don't think it's simple enough where you will enjoy your experience playing Dune Imperium. Because yeah, no, it feels, I, it feels too heavy. It, it it is a bit heavier, and it, it it's going to be a bear for people to play. But it's it's kind of along along the same lines as like when Wingspan. A lot of people coming over from being birders found a board game that deals with birds. When they started playing it, it was a little heavy, but it's yes. like their favorite thing that they play now because right. of that. Well, it's, a, it's yeah same thing with uh people who are into dune if you're into the ip and once you want to go through that slog it's going to be your, one of your favorite games it just depends if you really want to get into board gaming yeah. that way i wouldn't recommend it as a gateway game by any means out of these two they're not simple no by any no. means lost ruins of arnak is slightly simpler simpler than yes. dune imperium yes yeah that that sticks to the tried and true a little bit more yeah. thoroughly and and i remember it so as a refresher, we're watching, you know, how to play videos and all that stuff. Yeah, just, just, just to, to kind of refresh. And, and, yes. and I remember, like, how many times that I thought, it's like, man, some of the things that Dune does is just convoluted. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to do this, this, and this. this. Before you can even think about <laughs> going to that spot. Going to that spot. But yeah. only if you have this other token, too. It's like, wait a minute. Wow, yeah, there is tough. a lot going on to it. But again, if you're really into the Dune IP, you can understand that because and it, you're it's a gamer because it, it, right? it's a warring thing. They're yeah. they're warring because this is the only planet, if I remember correctly, that gives spice. Let the spice flow is their like slogan and stuff like that. Yeah. So everybody's war, warring over the spice, and so that's what this game is all about. Do you feel that Dune Imperium really brings out the theme of the Dune universe? From my understanding and from what playing, it does. It gives you that. The you get the you feel like you're playing the, the abilities and stuff like that because every um, leader has their own special ability based on the signet ring that you're uh, using. Another one is you do feel stuff like mind you, I've only played like the the basic uh, powers. I've looked at the other ones and they seem like what they should be sure. compared to the thing. Now I heard this one is good, but if you play the original Dune game, you get more of the okay. fill of the IP out of Dune because you are like eight different factions or six different factions sure. warring over okay. the the control of spice. This one gives you it more in a simplistic compared to the other game right. uh, fact uh, thing. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. See, that's why I was wondering is because I I and I want our listeners to understand that. That because I know so little about the theme, I'm looking yeah. at it from a non-Dune fan. Yeah. Whereas, like, neither of them necessarily felt thematic. I mean, Lost Ruins of Arnak doesn't really feel thematic either. But, um, okay. So, Illuminus says also Dune, Dune Imperium is more of a filtered experience. Yeah. That's what I wondered. But I, as a Dune fan, I wonder if that really kind of scratches that itch for you. It's like, man, it's like, yeah, finally I get to play. Like, like for Oathbreaker, for example... Yeah, I've played other Game of Thrones games. I don't feel like I'm in a Game of Thrones universe. Oathbreaker, I did. Yeah, and you get that experience in Dune Imperium. Uh, Like I heard, you get it better experiences. Uh, I know there was like a Dune RPG at one point or a homebrew version of it. Uh, You'll get get a better experience doing that because you're role-playing. You get it more in... 
original, the original Dune game okay. because your uh, the each faction plays differently, but plays how they're supposed to play. Like some people f- play from the shadows, where some's all about combat, okay. or where some is all about freedom and stuff like that. So you have like the different factions to fill it. You do get it in a sense in this one, and I know they add more to it with the expansion. I haven't played the expansion yet, sure. but I know they add more to it and more to the fill with that expansion. Cool. Awesome. So let's talk about, so obviously if you're a gamer mm-hmm. and you're a fan of Dune, this is a no-brainer. Dune Imperium just, it'll probably be your, it'll probably be your favorite of the two because yeah. then you get that that feel, feel of it. I also can say like if you're not a gamer and you want to go through that slog, you'll like it because it's going to give you the Dune Imperium feel. The thing is, it's going to be a slog to learn this game. Right. It was okay. a slog for us as experienced gamers. Not, neither of these games are easy to pick up and, and play right away. And yeah. Ruffians added that it's way better with the expansion. Yes. All right. Now is uh, Rise of Ix, or are you talking the um, the Explorers? Uh, in- so Illuminous says Rise of Ix is pretty good. That's the expansion for Dune Imperium. Gotcha. I'm believing Ruffians may be mentioning the expansion for Dune Imperium makes it better, because that's what we were just oh, talking okay. about. Talking about Rise of Ix. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll talk about uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak expansions here, or uh, both expansions here in a bit. Um, which only one I've played. So yeah, only one I've played. I own the other one. So, I just haven't got it to the table. Let's talk about mechanisms first. Mm-hmm. So we talked about theme a little bit. We'll get more into that. Let's talk about the mechanisms. Yeah. So there's two things that each of them both do. Mm-hmm. Um, they both do worker placement and they both do deck building. Yep. Um, as far as worker placement goes, both of them kind of do the same thing, which is different than almost any other game yep. that we saw and we were reminded about it, is you have to play a card For to, your... to place your workers. In Lost Ruins of Arnak, it uses uh, vehicles as an example. Mm-hmm. You can travel by foot to all the local regions. That's yep. easy. Or you can use a car or a boat to travel to the little further out regions that you can ex- then explore. Or you can use airplanes to get you pretty much anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, some places need multiple of those. Yeah. Um, either boats or, or Two boats cars, or two, yeah. And then airplanes are basically wild. Yeah. Your cards give you the vehicle, and they always have a different type of vehicle. Mm-hmm. Most of them are foot, and even the bad card, the fear cards, they're foot. They have a foot. Yeah, you know, so it's not. Yeah, they're not good cards in your hand. You want to get rid of them, but at the same time, you can still use them. It's still not mm-hmm. a dead card in your hand. Yeah, and so you you're able to use that. Whereas in Dune Dune Imperium, the way it uses those cards is that each parts of the board have different uh, symbols on it. Yeah. Um, either like a triangle or a circle or whatever, hexagon. Um, and you use those specific cards that have those symbols on it. And again, you use those cards to send your workers out to that spot. But here's the complication when it comes to those two games. When you're playing Lost Ruins of Arnax, it's flight simple. You play a foot, you go to that foot location. If yes. you play a car or two cars, you go to those locations or a car and a plane or car and a boat or right. a plane and a boat, I mean. Whereas... With uh, Dune Imperium, you have to be able to have all the resources you need to go to certain locations. You need water or Solari to go to location, Mm -hmm. or you need to be at a certain point on a certain faction to go to this location. you got to pay all those resources to get it going. And so that's one of the big differences when it comes to the worker placement part of it we were talking about and seeing. And and that was one of my frustrations when I played between the two is that it seemed a lot of the spots that you could go and do an Imperium were very conditional. You Mm -hmm. had to have have at least done a couple of things or have a certain thing ready 
in order to go to that spot. Whereas Lost Ruins of Arnak, it's just the vehicle, realistically. But in all honesty, it makes sense for Dune Imperium. Yeah. A lot of those locations that you need to have to be in with certain expand or um, uh, factions, they're mm-hmm. faction-controlled areas in like the books and the movies and stuff like yeah. that. So it makes sense thematically. Yeah. But it's understandable, like people who just playing it without knowing the, because it's got worker placement, deck building. Right. It could be a little frustrating if you don't know the the theme the back, behind yeah, it. Yeah, the backstory. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that that's probably one of the reasons why it was frustrating is because I didn't know that stuff going mm-hmm. in. And that's fair. Yeah. Um So as far as worker placement goes, they both do very similar things. They're all card driven worker placement. But I feel like Lost Ruins of Arnak is a little bit better about that. Simpler just about because it. Yeah. the simplicity, you don't need that. And most of the, the spots as well just get you whatever. Both of them, we, we, we noticed this too, are very icon heavy. They are incredibly icon heavy. Yeah. So yeah. And there, there's, if you're not a fan of icons and stuff, then neither of these games work for you. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're both very icon heavy and you got to know what they have, the icon. You got to pay attention yeah. to your reference sheet and stuff like that. Yeah. So. So now let's talk about the deck building aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So in Lost Ruins of Arnak, there's two different kinds of cards you're going to get in your deck. Other than the fear cards, which you talked about earlier, they're yeah. kind of like dead cards. You're going to get either items or artifacts, which makes sense um, throughout that. You know, uh, they take two different currencies. It's yep. You have coins, which are going to give you the items, mm-hmm. which can be anything from like uh, special boots or a dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and you can u- use those anytime you go through your deck. Yeah. And the artifacts, they're a little more expensive. They take compasses, which I think are called exploration tokens. Yeah. Uh, but they're compasses. Because you discover really just, them. Yeah, exactly. That's what they are. And every time you, once you buy it, um, you're able to use its ability, but every time you play it from then, you have to discard a tablet token, which is another piece. Yeah. Um, what's cool about this differently is that, yes, you do have those two different things that you are acquiring throughout the game, and they do have the different currencies, but there is the round marker in between the two decks. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be, I think, six cards out throughout the yeah. five rounds, and every round... There's going to be more artifacts that you find, but fewer items. And then when you get to last round, there's going to only be one item where everything else is artifacts. Five artifacts, yeah. Yeah. And so that evolution throughout the game is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense also to a degree because, you know, you're utilizing the items that you already had or that you purchased. um, To become better explorers, archaeologists. So it's slightly thematic, but the deck building, I've found that a lot of the cards do very simple stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you are using it either as... The vehicle that we showed earlier, or it's or you're action, using it as its action, which is normally just get tokens or draw cards or or move up on workers, yeah or, or get resources, move up on different tracks, different things like that. I found the deck building to be probably my favorite part in Lost Ruins. Whereas, let's talk about the deck building real quick. For which is quite different than Lost Ruins yes. of Arnak. First off, it's two distinct phases. Where yeah. Lost Ruins of Arnak is either you play a card or you put your worker out by playing a card mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That all happens on a turn. Whereas in Dune Imperium, you play your card to put your worker out. Once you're out of workers, you have to do a reveal phase. When you do a reveal mm-hmm. phase, you reveal what's left in your hand. You can either use part of it, like, and it's the bottom section of the card. You can use it for combat for later when everybody passes, or you use it for your points. And you can get points on the board, and you can get uh, points based on your cards. That's your buy power. I forget what it's actually called. Uh, yeah, um, like skill or something. Yeah, yeah it, 
It, that's right. It's, it's the blue symbol. Yeah, it's a blue symbol, di- a number and a diamond. It tells you how much you get. Okay. You use those to buy your cards. So you have like a, a, a ta- what is it, a tableau, a tableau of uh, cards, right. like five of them. And if none of those really, or you don't have the money really for it, there, there is like three stacks of basic cards that you can use. Right. Standard that, in most deck builders, yeah, if you're familiar with If it. you can't buy it. Like both deck builders, once you buy something, it goes into your discard pile, mm-hmm. and you won't be able to use it again until you shuffle it up. Yep. But yeah, so it, it, the difference is the distinct phases. You have to actually end your part of a round. Right. And this is a round. Yeah. Yeah. And then you use what's left of your hand. So this one give you buy power. This one will give you attack power because right. we haven't even gotten to the attack, which we will in a little bit right. about the phases. But yeah, it's just they're completely different. Lost Ruins of Arnak, it's your turn. I'm going to use this money, these coins to buy this card, or these uh, this yeah. compasses to buy this artifact over here. Right. Whereas in this one is like, okay, these are the cards I left over. What do I do with it? Exactly. And so that that was one thing that I found really different about those is that it, on your turn throughout Lost Ruins of Arnak, you are either deck building or you're doing you're doing one thing on your turn. Yeah. You can send you can use a card to send out a worker mm-hmm. or you can do that, but then you can go back to sending out workers. You're yeah. just done when you're done. Yeah. Um whereas you're you're right in uh doing Imperium, you have you your you have the worker phase mm-hmm. and then when you're done, that's when you can finally buy something mm-hmm. and add it to your deck. You don't have that option of changing things midway, which I yeah. feel like I liken Lost Ruins a little bit more. Uh, just because you know, if I see you buy something, and I'm and I'm still sending out my workers, I might want to make make a change in my decision. What I was doing It's like, oh, now that this item is out, maybe I'll actually get that now. Yeah, and then that'll help me. Well, that'll help me. Send I think out it works works on. well on doing Imperium too, because once you go into the next phase, right. other people are still can do their turn if they, they have exactly. the ability to do it. Because you can get a temporary worker um, mm-hmm. on the board, the Mintats. You can also get an extra worker if you go up into the council seat and get a th- sure. uh, the third worker. That's the only time you can do it in the game. But then now you have three workers rather than two. Whereas Lost Ruins of Arnak, you only have two workers. Right. And you can have a possibility up to four and do an Imperium. That's true. So once that happens and I you know, pass and I got to do my reveal phase and what I buy, then you could be like, okay, well, that's what he's doing in combat. Maybe I really don't want to go into combat this round because I see where he's at now. Right. So maybe I'll do this, this, and this instead, build up for the next turns. This way I can see what happens. So I I like the fact of doing Imperium, doing stuff like that as well. It does make sense. Yes. In that context, it does make sense. I just prefer the freedom of, of that myself. Now, one other thing that we found that was very similar about, yes, they, they're a third mechanism that nobody really talks about, <laughs> is that it, these are both resource management. Oh, games. yeah. And so, first off, I'm going to say, when I first played Lost Ruins of Arnak, I hated how many different tokens there were. <laughs> yes. There are, I mean, you have the two currencies, which we already talked about, coins and compasses. Yep. Yeah. But then you have other resources. You tablets, have rubies. Tablets, rubies, arrowheads. Um, uh, uh, coins, coins, compasses. Like you have all of these different sets of tokens, five resources in general. Yeah, that function in different ways and for different capacities. And then certain things can be upgraded in other uh, for certain other things. But then, right? There's a hierarchy. (laughs) They're not. It's not so much that they are different. Like thematically, like how am I going to trade an arrowhead and a ruby? 
for like victory points and a soldier. Like, what yeah. does that make sense? It doesn't. So it has this tech tree that's on the right side, and you can upgrade yeah. your uh, magnifying glasses and books, which is one of your book. actions. Is which you can do that actions. instead. Yeah. yeah. And so you spend the resources to do that. And a lot of the spots will get you different resources. So I might send a worker to go get me two rubies and a tablet where I really need an arrowhead, but I can't do that because I haven't upgraded to this spot yet because, huh? And, <laughs> and I hated, I, it, that was one part that was, that was my biggest frustration with Lost Ruins of Arnak is mm-hmm. that it didn't, every different token that you could get has a different purpose mm-hmm. for a seemingly nonsensical reason. And then the big thing about it is when we're talking about that track in Lost Ruins of Arnak is yeah. that if you go up one route, like say your your hourglass is one side, I mean, you could go up a different route and just mm-hmm. the same level because your book, your book can never surpass where your magnifying glass is. Yes. And you can go the different routes and they have different reward abilities. My big thing was is be like, okay, well, I got the resources for this route, go up this route. But now I got to start saving up resources to go up a completely different track, even though I have a bunch of these resources and that's what I was buying up to for I can move right. up here. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, it's a struggle how you're being smart with your resource management because right. the way the track switches up on you at times. Right, exactly. Whereas realistically, you only have, other than your fighters, which I don't yeah. consider a resource, you really only have three resources into an Imperium. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You have um, water, uh, Solari. Right, so mm-hmm. there, that, that's like the coin and stuff. Spice, yeah. So talk about those. Like that, that's way simpler than like the five, and for different. Yeah. So Solari is basically the coins of the game. You use a lot of it to you know buy things for you. You can yeah. use it to buy spice or rice for sure. stuff like it's that. The yeah. Same as their coins is. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, you can use it for different things, too. Uh, the water is very important because, you know, it's a very dry planet, so it's important for you to go to certain spots or to pay for certain things. Uh, the spice is what it's all about. You're trying to compete in um, get the mo- or the control of the spice in the flow. That's why yeah. we're all here. That's why we're all fighting. And they're good for victory points at the end of the game as well. And we haven't even gotten to the victory point part of it. <laughs> but... Um, that's really all the resources are for is just to help you do stuff on that. Everything about this game, Dune Imperium, is leading up to the combat. You can use it for this and that, but mostly the combat is going to drive this game. The resources are there because they're there thematically, but it's more about controlling of everything. It's right. it's an area control game without an area control right. mechanism. There's one area. That's <laughs> yeah. You control that one area. So then... So which one do you prefer as far as the resource management goes? Uh, Lost Runes of Arnak. Okay. And, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, the, the because there's less resources in um, Dune Imperium, it makes sense thematically. But Lost Ruins of Arnak, it's just, it's interesting, especially when you're going up that track. Now, the big thing about Vanilla Arnak and um, Vanilla Dune Imperium is everything in Dune Imperium makes sense for what they're driving to. Lost yes. Ruins of Arnak makes it seem it like it, uh, Vanilla yeah. that makes it seem like it's a um, air, not area control uh, point salad type game, which mm-hmm. it kind of is. Kinda, yeah. But one thing in Vanilla is very weighted heavier than. Uh, the other part like so we have a friend who really likes the combat part of it going to fight the guardians using the resources to pay off the guardians and stuff like that in vanilla it doesn't make sense to 
heavily evolved in fighting right. guardians you're you're basically if you want to get your most points and have a chance of winning the game you're right. playing on that hourglass and book trek yep. that's the main mechanism in the video in that's fact right. when we played it the first time on me i think you played it beforehand or it might have been at the same time, but I won just because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use my resources and go up this track. That's yep. it. That's mainly what I did and just went all the way up uh, my magnifying glass up there. Because if you're the first one all the way up on that track, the magnifying glass gives you like 20, 25 points or something like that. And that's a huge swing. Right. Whereas uh, the monsters only give you, what, five points at a time? Uh, yeah. Something yeah. like that. So, and then, so speaking of that influence track, so that's one big track that anybody mm -hmm. can go. You yeah, there is bonuses to whoever gets to certain spots first, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. You know, that, that's a little cool thing. And the but thing is, the Dewey points Imperium climb, too. has a similar thing with the influence tracks. Yeah. And so their influence tracks is more about for the the, four the factions, the four different factions. If you get to a certain point, you get a victory point. If you get to a certain, um, I think it's like the fourth or fifth section of Dune Imperium, you get the influence over that faction. You get another victory point because you have the influence over it, but it could be stolen from you. And then you will lose a point. And they, <laughs> that person who stole it would gain a point. And then if you're at the top of it, you've got influence of that faction. They're always going to be with you. And they, they, it does some bonus. I don't remember too much what the bonuses are doing. Well, some of them are more important, like for worker placement spots and stuff like that. But they yeah. each have their own uh, certain abilities. Like some give you intrigues, would get, give you cards for uh, combat fights, or where you can play during your turn, which gives you certain resources or certain abilities or other things. And then the, the final thing you can get out of those intrigue cards is end of game scoring. So it has like different things you can do. Uh, some give you resources. So right. it, it, the influence track is quite different because right. you're going into yes. like the big factions and dealing with faction abilities. But it's it's a war game that has Euro abilities into it. So the, the alliances with these factions make sense. Right. So now let's talk about the combat in each of the games. So there is technically combat in both and of them. And I say technically. <laughs> technically. Because the way it works simply on uh, Lost Ruins Lost Lost of Arnak is the simple version. Mm -hmm. As tiles come out and as places can be explored... Once you go over a certain line. Once you go over a certain line, there's these uh, monster tokens that go on top of them. Um, when you guardians. go to that, the guardians, you flip them over and see what resources you need to pay them off. Basically, you're bribing them. You're <laughs> yeah. not actually fighting them. Yeah. There's nothing to... That's the combat. That, that's the combat. That's it. <laughs> Done. If you like trading stuff, like how we talked earlier about Francis Drake, that's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, these need these tokens for me to get rid of them. Yeah. That's all it is. And then they're worth points at the end, too. Yeah. You know, but if you don't deal with them and you're still in that spot. And some of them will, will have, like, uh, special abilities, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's and a fear card, not token. A fear card, yes. Which is basically a dead card, but it's not really a dead card because you can use it for, like, walking player. foot. Yeah. And so that's combat and lost ruins there's really not much now you know combat more in doing imperium doing imperium go ahead and explain it because it's way more involved so the combat in doing imperium is that there's spots on the board that allow you to put troops into the combat that's right. the first thing uh there's also abilities where and 
mind you, in vanilla, it's cubes. Th- those are your soldiers. I have the one where it gives me little minis for so it looks a little bit better. Yeah. But um, mainly is like you can either rally your troop or yeah, I think it's rally troops where you can put certain cubes into your holding cell. I guess mm-hmm. you can say. And then when you go to spots, you can start moving up to so many troops into the combat. And when everybody... Um, yeah, when they fin- first go into the garrison, right? Yeah, garrison. Yeah. That's the word the, I'm looking the for. Garrison and then they can go into the combat. combat. You can move so many cubes into the combat. And usually something will tell you you can move one to three cubes. or, But if you don't have anything in the garrison, you can't move cubes in there. So you want to make sure... And you start with, I think, three in each garrison at the beginning of the game. But then after combat, sometimes they can stay. Sometimes they go away. It just all depends. Each cube, or mini in this case, uh, for mine, is worth two uh, combat points. And so you have a little track. Once you do all your combat, you put your track out there. And it can say, hey, I have ten combat in the first uh, fight. And then there's going to be like a conflict card that's going to tell you whoever wins the combat is going to get this. Second place is going to get this. Third place is going to get this. And I'll get to the tiebreaker in a minute because I that that's the one thing that really annoys me how that works uh, for the tiebreakers. Okay. Um, but it's and then uh, when you go into your reveal phase as well, you have combat cards you can use uh, that add one to co- for every I think it's like a sword or gun. I can't remember exactly what the combat is. Mm-hmm. It's a weird shape. But it yeah, adds it's a sword, but it looks <laughs> like a shotgun pointing down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of like a weird, like yeah, segmented, it's, like it's honestly weird. I understand it because it, it it works for Dune Imperium because uh, I think it's one of the weapons, yeah. especially in the newer ones. It's just the silhouette of it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, and opinion. so they they'll add to combat, and so it's basically once it's all said and done, and everybody's played everything they can because again, you have intrigue cards that can be used during this. The combat phase, which will increase combat, or if you know you're not going to win and don't want to lose some of your troops, you can slide them back into the garrison. So it has some interesting combat or abilities for that, but in the fact is, just whoever's got the most wins the most. And it makes sense, because the in-game scenario for this one is you need to, someone has to hit 10 points, and then we go through all the in-game stuff. And so... The big part of getting your victory points is winning combat because yeah. a lot of the victory point cards are going to come out that way. So if you win the combat, you get a victory point. There's another part where like you can get two victory points and then you can get control over a section. And being able to have control over a section allows someone – if someone goes there, you get a resource for having control of it. It's basically a tax. But you don't get it – I don't think you get it from them. I think you just get it from the supply. It's been a bit – I don't remember that rule too, too much. But yeah, combat is all this game is that it leads up to. You yeah, you cannot win this game without at least winning some combat because that's where you're going to get most of your points. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, combat is. I mean, uh, it it has to be more yeah. important in Doom, which oh yeah, makes sense very much so. Yeah, and it makes sense that it's you know. It's an exploration game, not a combat game for our neck. So yeah, and so like when I was talking about the combat tiebreakers, uh, we were just reviewing this, and both of us were like, "Oh God, yeah, they, the, the oh, tiebreaker yes. stuff of it." So it's like if this, you're this. if you're tied, then you don't get the uh, if you're tied for first, you don't get the first player thing. You get the second player thing. Yeah, you both get it. You both, both get the it. Tied players get it, but then you skip third. The, yeah, and then if you're tied for second place, third place doesn't get anything, and you get the third place part. It's just like. Yeah. It makes sense, and I understand why they're doing it this way. Uh, it forces more people to be smart about how they're doing their combat. It's just, 
It's it gets frustrating, yeah. especially when you got to go, oh, God, we're tight again. Oh, God. Yeah. So let's talk about points. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because this is this is my biggest gripe against this. Um, Lost Ruins of Arnak is points held. I mean, you, there's a lot of ways to get points. You do this, get a point, do this, get a point. And there's a All very the simple. The, the track uh, is worth a lot of points. Right. There's, there's a lot of things. Um, points are fine. In Dune Imperium, you said it earlier, uh, if you win a battle, you'll probably get a point. Yeah. If you have, if you're in with certain people, you'll get a point. The first to ten points triggers the end. Yeah. That means points are so scarce. Scarce. And I hate it when <laughs> games do that. Why not? Like, and the, the thing is, they both have very distinct in-game scenarios. Just one's much simpler than the other because once you go through, I think it's like six rounds. Yes. That's it. Lost Ruins of Arnax. Whoever has the most points wins. Yes. This one can go through several rounds because points are so scarce. Yes. We play Lost Ruins of Arnak hour, hour and a half, first time we played yes. it. Doing Imperium was almost three hours long. Yes. Yeah, first time we Because played. we have to hit 10 points. Right. And I think there's a rule. I don't know if it's a variant online or what like that, but you play to eight points and trigger the game just to shorten a little. Well, that's just because people are sick of like Because <laughs> it goes long. I mean, like, God forbid there's a battle where there's where the point is the main... Like, you get a point if you win the battle, yeah. and then two people tie, so nobody gets points. <laughs> How not fun is that? Yeah, exactly. I, I hate it when it's like... The outer and I, I, I meant what Illumina says. It makes sense. You got to think three steps ahead. You got to yeah, be smart. About, yeah, no, it's understandable. It's but very strategic. Your 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 strategy cannot be doesn't mean that other people can't have the same good idea. And <laughs> when you're doing that, um, I like I get it, but I hate games that do no, that. No, no, yeah. Like, uh, what was the game? Uh, outer Rim. That's yeah. a perfect example of it. Yeah. First to three points. It's like. Yeah, you're taking an hour to get a point or whatever, right? It's not first to three there, buddy. How, it, well, how many is it? That you're thinking Wasteland Express delivery oh, yeah, is the first to three. Oh, that's stupid, yeah. <laughs> first one to three points, and it takes an hour to get a point. It's so dumb. Like, I hate it when that is. It makes it seem... <laughs> Out of rim, I think, is ten points as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, exactly. Like, it's... Why not just say, like, okay... Once somebody has completed X number of objectives, like stop calling it points when all you're going to get is four points throughout the whole game. That's so frustrating. It's so demeaning where it's like, I've done all this work and for nothing, no points. I had one point throughout the whole game and I did just as good as anybody else. No, I can't stand that. That's why point the point system, even though it's point salad and an arnak, you get rewarded makes more for sense. Yeah. anything yeah. you do. And our, our mutual friend uh, mentions this too. It's like yeah. you you have to work so hard to get a point and do an Imperium. Yeah. Whereas you Lost Ruins of Arnak, you still work hard. You yeah, work you smart. You get five points. Yeah. It happens. But you, you work smarter how you get the points. But yes. again, it's like uh, it's a point salad. Points don't matter till we get to the end. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Whereas this one, the points matter because... You have yeah. to work for those points. And at Luminous, I'm going to argue kind of against you. He said it's more cutthroat. Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess it technically is. that's yeah, cutthroat. But at the same time, it's not. It's also really frustrating <laughs> from from anybody's standpoint. It and really the, feels good about it. It's like, and the hey, big I thing did about an it, abundance of awesome. But you did it slightly better than and, me, and therefore you get a point. And the big thing about it is too is like if you have those intrigue cards that can just put you over the top, yeah. that can be frustrating because you're like, okay, I did all this, I have right. this military, I'm good, I think I'm fine, and then someone plays like a card that gives them four combat that right. that puts them over the top, 
It's thematic. It is thematic. I admit. Think about it this way, though. Is let's say, in, in a weird comparison, I'm just going to say, let's say you, me, and one of our friends are playing, right? Mm-hmm. And and you do something absolutely amazing. Gets you 27 points. Sure. And he does something almost as amazing. He gets 25 points. And I don't compare to either of you. I don't do anything good. I get maybe five points, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are both out ahead. Let's say, same thing, do, do an Imperium, right? We both go into, all three of us go into a battle. You get like like 40 combat points out on the board, right? He gets 39 combat points on the board, and I get zero, right? Yeah. Same comparison, right? You're the one who gets the point for it. He gets nothing. <laughs> he gets nothing. No, no, he because... doesn't get nothing. He gets a reward of some sort. Yeah, He's got reward. second place. That's not a point. <laughs> and that's what I hate that. The, the oh, bigger, the bigger thing, too, mind. is like as we're going through more and more combat stuff, yeah. and there, uh, you get... Um, the second place can end up getting points as well. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So regardless though, that's, that's my only, that's my biggest part about, I I don't like it when games do that. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about component quality. So we're talking base vanilla component quality yes, because the the, the the special stuff that I got is basically an expansion and a bigger box to hold yeah. everything. But base both, uh, my issue with Lost Ruins of Arnak, and we've had this discussion, yep. is that they give you all these nice pieces yep. and then plastic cardboard. Tablets, plastic arrowheads, plastic rubies, cardboard compasses. <laughs> and cardboard coins. It's like. Cardboard coins. Okay. Come on, if you're doing all this, give me a little bit more plastic. And wooden magnifying glasses and wooden books. <laughs> that you have to put the sticker on. <laughs> it's like, huh, that's a bit odd. I mean, but other than that, like the art on Lost Ruins, I like the art. Quite a bit. Personally. Yeah, that's, it's really good. I art. like the weird view of the board, how it just like zooms out, like the further up on the top of the board, like yeah, it's like looking at a like a distance and stuff. Looks really good. Um, Lost Ruins is really good on the component side. Yeah. When we're talking about the inconsistency is a little annoying, but the card quality is really good. The yeah, board's really nice. Quality works. It's My really high quality. Card. Biggest issue with doing Imperium is the board. The board's a little boring. I'll I'll be the first yeah, one to admit the, symbol- the board even the symbology it's there to help people that are colorblind like us, yeah. but that is like a blue circle boom. It's and like, a, and then a red no hexagon. To it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, like you have those kindergarten shapes here. And then but at least they're consistent with their components. Everything's wood. <laughs> your workers are wood, your discs are wood. No, you know you know what I don't like about that though? Is like I get like any cubes. Your, your spices, hexagons, generic. Mm. Your s- coins, whatever they're called again. The uh, solari. Solari. Discs. Your water drops. At least they're water shaped. I'll give them that. But your your warriors that go out to the cubes. Cubes. So cubes. I will say this though. What I do like what Dune Imperium did is that uh, within Dune Imperium they didn't use screenshots they made their own art yes. based on the actors which is awesome yeah it is phenomenal they did a great job yeah. and the art that they did was really good too. yeah no no i, I love it and they honestly all the money on the cards <laughs> on the clearly cards. not on the board but on the cards I, I think a big part of it too is they wanted to do what like that big box is mm-hmm. but they wanted to get the game out and proper for everybody that's why the the, sure. the big box was pre-ordered because they could see, I guess, where things were going in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it just get it out faster, especially because they were trying to time it to be out around the time the movie came out. Yeah. Which and makes so, sense. yeah, exactly. It, it wouldn't have, uh, 
Illumis was saying he wouldn't have bought the game if it was screenshot like Legendary does. And so, yeah, no, I agree. I love the fact that they created their own art based on the, the actors that are playing. It's phenomenal. I think that's one of the best things about that game. Yeah, the board is boring. Yeah, the, the basic shapes are uh, eh. Right. But that artwork just... And then that cover. I love that cover. It's that so cover simple. Really yeah. Um, so now let's talk about the one big advantage. So it seems like obviously we're leaning more towards Lost Ruins if we mm-hmm. had to pick a preference. But there was one thing that we haven't really touched base on, not including expansions. And just in that, the vanilla. That, that Dune Imperium had a huge advantage and over... And why I preferred Dune Imperium over Lost Ruins of Arnak uh, uh, originally, and it's that they had individual player powers. Yes. Your character only has this one power. This is only... In Lost Ruins of Arnak, you're just a generic explorer. Right. You have the same abilities as the person next to you. If this one, if I'm playing um, Atreides, I feel like I'm playing Atreides because I have that ability. If I'm uh, playing the Ben Gesserit, I feel like I'm playing the Ben Gesserit because I have a special ability. And so I... Love that. I love that in games. If I'm doing something different than that you can do, and it, honestly, it was really simple how they did it on and do an Imperium. It's just the same card for everybody. If you just play that card, you get to use your special ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one of them, the main one, um, allows you to look what's coming up next and be uh, put it down or put it under so you know what's coming up next in your hand when you're going to draw and that becomes a little bit more powerful as you're playing the game because you're getting better cards in your deck and so i really like that ability or some will be like okay i can do this for combat and stuff like that it is it was hands down what made it my favorite compared to the two right and that's fair and see since i knew nothing about that that was the reason why i thought they were even because Mm. i like i probably liked arnak better yeah but i appreciated the fact that it was that it was so much more variable Mm -hmm. and you felt different in dune imperium at the same time and that's why i thought they were another reason why i liked it too is like with dune imperium once you get a better understanding of the game you could play the other factions that are much more advanced yeah which gives you another strategy to play the game whereas lost ruins of arnak in the vanilla once you play the game you pretty much know there was no really variability on this the only variability really is what uh, Guardians came up from base or from game to game. That's that's the only difference. Where doing Imperium, I can play different factions and understand what's going yeah, on and feel very differently. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's finally talk about the expansions. The okay. Um, first off, Lost Ruins of Arnak has the um, Explorers expansion. Now, again, I don't know a lot about Lost uh, 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 Rise of X, the Dune Imperium expansion. I have it. I looked at it originally when I got it. Now. It does some things, and I know a lot of people are saying it's phenomenal when it does certain things. Uh, but I haven't played it, so I don't know too much about it. I know what it adds like two more. F- know about it. Like, uh, it adds two new factions is okay. the main thing I I remember, and they they have their own abilities as well. So, okay. um, they actually I think it adds another like row of cards that you can be or be bought. It just gives you a little bit more stuff in the games. They add uh, new boards too. So oh cool okay. So uh, I do want to get it to the table. It's something I want to get played. But Lost Ruins of Arnak, we have played the expansion. We have played the expansion, so we we're a little more accustomed to this. The biggest difference that it did was it added variable, variable Very, player powers. powers yep. And not just like, oh, each character gets their own ability. No, these are hugely different. And distinctly they their, different. They have so. their own different decks. Mm-hmm. They have their own different ways of endgame goals. Yep. They have their own different abilities. And like, so, for example, I, I used um, the Falconer yep. as my character, which is not a traditional style of thing. I mean, like, I, have, I had a falcon that would fly around and 
give me extra bonuses and yeah. and go interact in different ways. That made it so interestingly mm-hmm. fresh and new that I that was the reason I would consider buying the game. Because at first I was, as I said at the head of the podcast, I wasn't the biggest fan of either of them. Yeah. This I will gladly play again, but only, only with that expansion. Yeah, and then with the expansion, I played the Baroness, who had some really interesting stuff. She really got a lot of money, so I could buy a lot of items that helped me out long the, through the game. What I really liked about it is a lot of the, both of these games have a way to shed cards. Yeah. Well, I had a specific card. Even if I trashed it and shed it, this way I can do something else. It comes back to me no matter what. Oh, fun! Every every top of the round, I get that card back. Even if it's I like, nope, I'm going to trash this because this tells me to trash something because I know I'm going to get it back. And it does such a good job about that. It just to the point. It like I like I mentioned before, this Lost Ruins of Ornak got jumped up probably over Dune Imperium. I haven't played the expansion, so I need to be hesitant when I say this. Yeah. Just because of the player abilities, because it made a, a good game great. Yes. Um, and the thing is, I will never play vanilla Lost Ruins of Arnak. Right. I will. I will teach it with the player abilities. Yep. And I have. Yeah. Because it doesn't really do too much different in the game. Yeah. Even if you just play with like the vanilla board and everything vanilla, and just give them the specific characters, it just makes the game so much better. Yeah. It makes it really different. So overall, my uh, as of right now, we're going to delve into each of our... Let's actually pull up our, our top eight debate criteria. And let's kind of break them down real quick uh, for each of the games. Okay. Like which one's easier, which one's all that stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll go into a little... Just some last little uh, quick points of interest that we haven't touched base on fully yet. But... Um, uh, so ease of play. Lost Ruins of Arnak, I think, is simpler. Um, what, yeah. Now, both of them, you're familiar with the mechanisms. You know worker placement. You know right. uh, deck building. But all the different steps you have to go through and do right. an Imperium. <laughs> right, exactly. Likelihood of gaining the table, that depends on if you're a Dune it just, Imperium yeah, fan it, well, or a Dune fan. Well, it just depends. Also, there there's people who are into sci-fi more than they are into exploration, and Dune right. Imperium will hit that. I think it's more just what you're into right. in that aspect. That's true. Um Prone to AP analysis paralysis. Both both of them have it. They both have it. Yes. Dune Imperium more so, just because okay. you have to be smart at how you play on your cards, so you're constantly thinking about what you're doing. Okay. Under our replay value, um, minimum number of plays for full experience. Base is clearly Dune Imperium. Oh, base is Dune Imperium. Yep. Um, expandability. Both of them are both expand. Yeah, have an expansion. Uh, I think there's one technical expansion but you know like the minis right. and stuff like that was another expansion it is but it's just added components that's right. all it did and length of time and scaling well i think that goes a little bit to lost ruins of arnak but uh, just barely, barely. Uh, yeah. dune imperium is a long game even with two players and oh that's another thing we didn't talk about scaling. is uh the scaling the two player lost ruins of arnak is going to be by far better than dune imperium and here's why there's one yes. thing we both don't that's like right we forgot about this. Um, it has dummy to play players. A dummy player. Yeah, you have to play with a... I, I'm fine with a dummy player when I'm playing solo. Right. But as a two-player game... A two-player game. I don't want to... A three- or four-player game. Yeah. Yeah. That I forgot about that. Yeah. And we never played as a two-player game. So yeah, we were looking into, you know, trying to do like a two-player yep. play of it just to kind of get familiar with it again. And we were both like, no, it's got a dummy player. Right. <laughs> so, uh, meaningful choice. Impact on, on other players' strategy is definitely... With the Dune Imperium. Yeah, with the combination of influence tracks and the combat, that's definitely other player strategy. What about your own long-term strategy? Uh, honestly, I think that's still Dune Imperium. Okay. On the simple fact that 
you have the ability to pivot in right. doing Imperium, or I mean, in Lost Ruins of Arnak. If you start, okay, you know what? Instead of going up there and trying to fight the Guardians, I'll just go to these spots because I have the mm-hmm. ability to go to the spots, get the resources. Um, because our friend was really big into the Guardians. He's realizing, hey, I'm not going to do well in that. And so he started playing on the track we were right. playing on. But he, couldn't he couldn't catch up, but he got close. If he just yeah. stayed playing the Guardians, whereas in Dune Imperium, you have to play smartly. Yeah. The only thing that makes it arbitrary in a sense is what comes out in the buy roll. Because you have to, I'm not going to use this card because I want to hold it off for combat. Or I'm not going to use this card because I want to use it to buy that card over there. So you're doing yeah. stuff like that. Or I really need to use this card because I need to go to that location. This way I can get my extra worker. So right. that sort of stuff. And then the furthest you're on, that those get you points as well if you're going up on that track. Right. So yeah, it there's... There's much more pivot possibility in Lost Ruins of Arnak than there is in Dune Imperium. Right. That, that makes sense to me. All right. And then, so, let's talk about game immersion now. Mm-hmm. Um, does, do, do either Both, of, them both fit- of them fit their theme really well. Yeah. Uh, you do feel like you're exploring. Uh, it's more Euro style for Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, you could probably probably put a sci-fi theme on it and it'll still work like uh looking for like ancient alien artifacts and stuff like that Mm -hmm. dune imperium you do feel like dune coming out when you're with the combat and stuff like that and i imagine that comes through with player interaction as well oh yeah you remember all the 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 cussing that was going on during that game where it's like why would you do that why why would you play that car in the combat whereas in lost ruins of arnak when we were played it, I was minding my own little business on one track. Right. But yeah. while you... well, no, but I mean, like, did you feel like you were in the character in the character's head? Oh yeah, 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 and doing Imperium. And now, when you're when we're talking about the expansion in Lost Ruins of Arnak, you really do feel like you're playing that. Yeah, but there's still like, yeah, I'm a falconer. What's this falconer's name? What is that? <laughs> yeah. per- What's his no, backstory? no, I get that. Did yeah. somebody like did did like no, did, no, I... did like a good close friend like sink in a boat accident? Like, I want to know. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. Like I'm, like... You, you get more of it in Dune Imperium. I'm just saying, like, no. the leader... You get it more now in because of the expansion of Lost Ruins of Arnak yeah. compared to Dune Imperium. I think the closest thing to role-playing that I ever did as playing as the Falconer is I just kept shouting, God, people. But I, that was, like, it. Like, it wasn't... I didn't feel... Like I was a falconer. I Why felt were, like I was. I had hey, I felt like I was a baroness because I was just buying everything. Oh, that's that's fair. I'll give you that. Uh, and then I was giving like a cargo drop to me as well. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I got into it, but I, it's more so in Lost Ruins. I mean, right. uh, Dune Imperium. Exactly. And then yeah, we already talked about art and production. Um, pretty 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 much a nauseum. Uh, is there anything else about these games? But let's let's end it with the question: Who are these games for? I think the Euro, the Euro player. The Euro player's Lost Ruins of Arnak, hands, hands down. down. Hands down, right? Especially with the expansion. Right, exactly. But base game, it would be perfect for Whereas too. if you're an, an American-style game, Ameritrash gamer... You right? like something that's very thematic, you're into sci-fi, or... Uh, we didn't really talk about this. If someone wants to come out of combat games and play something... Slightly different, like actual board game style that isn't like uh, African campaign or something like that. Right, but exactly. and still want to have that combat feel. Dune Imperiums for you, Mer- uh, Meritrash player in combat game right. or campaign game, combat war games. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, war games. Yeah, 
and we've already touched base on it, they're not the easiest games to get into, no. neither of them. If you're not a fairly seasoned gamer, they're both going to be a hurdle to get a, get across. Yeah. So this isn't for grandma. This isn't for, yeah, like, exactly. young kids. You yeah. know, like, the... I, I recommend uh, whoever buys either one of these games need to do two things. One, they need to get familiar with worker placement. Yes. And two, they need to get familiar with deck building. Yes. Um, if you're really into Euro-style games and but only played like something like Ticket to Ride or something like that, right. then I think you need to play a game that's a little bit above Ticket to Ride simplicity before you can get into like Lost Ruins of Arnak. Right. And Dune Imperium, if you've only played like Risk or right. uh, I guess Memoir 44, then you might need to get into like a little bit of a heavier games right. before you jump into Dune Imperium. Good deal. All right. Is there any other last points that we want to make before we if end this you're episode? a fan of Dune, Dune a series, and if you're uh, an experienced board gamer or used to heavy games, give a Dune Imperium a shot. I think you'll dig it. Um, if you're also just like board games in general, and you're really into heavy, heavier but not too heavy euros like medium weight, yeah. Lost Ruins and I, 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 Arnak is your jam. I think you'll uh, like like it to a certain extent some people it's not for everybody right but you just got to go into it that it's some of these sometimes it's going to be a slog learning this game right luckily enough there is great video tutorials out there to teach you both of these games um they do really interesting stuff and if you like lost ruins of arnak i highly highly recommend the expansion yes absolutely i i completely agree so uh, hopefully we covered all of our bases. Um, Illuminous, Ruffians, Wayne, if you guys are still there, uh, feel free to make any other last-minute points. Uh, if, unless you think we covered everything, let us know. Um, otherwise, you know, we're going to wrap this up. This oh, wait, wait, wait. a fun little Dell. We forgot that we always do. Your choice. Oh, my choice between the two. Oh, hands down, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a combat. I, I can do combat, <laughs> yeah. and I like thematic games. But since I don't know anything about the, the, I my biggest thing with IP games is that I feel that if I play a game with a theme on it, that game should want me to look more into that yeah. IP. Like so, Star Trek, uh, Panic, um, Firefly, the board game, those both did that to me. Yeah, and I looked into it, and those became those shows. Honestly, after playing Dune Imperium, I'm not any more interested in Dune, <laughs> and that's well, that, maybe that's, we'll get you to play regular Dune, and you might get into maybe. it. Maybe. Maybe it could be, but that yeah. game didn't. Yeah. So Lost Ruins of Arnak is hands down my favorite. How about you? Um, as of right now, and this is just a slight edge above because I haven't done the expansion in one of them, and that's Dune Imperium. My pick is Lost Ruins of Arnak yep. just because of the leader's abilities. And the, it's slightly slimper. I, I haven't shown a Dune Imperium to my wife. Right. I have shown uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak to her and our group of friends because it's they're they're at that level of game. Yeah. Dune Imperium's just it's such a slog in I don't know. They liked uh Outer Rim, so we'll see. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So we definitely wanna uh say thanks for listening to this. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the end of the episode. If you ever want to join us on one of our live chats, uh we do stream these episodes live on mm -hmm. twitch.tv slash everyday board games and come join in on the conversation, like our friends the Luminous, Ruffians, and uh, Wayne earlier on in the episode. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you ever want to reach out to us and say 
say hi directly, maybe give us ideas for future episodes, or enter in on future contests that we may or may not be having planned mm-hmm. in the future. Yep. Uh, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account. This is at EBG Podcast. And so we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully this answered the question on if you should buy either of them, which one would be the best bang for your buck, Mm -hmm. if not both of them. Uh, So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.